Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter and joining me is Firefly here, which is very relevant to the, the movie we're about to discuss. Uh, Connor's also here though. Yeah, yeah, you're not discussing it with the cat. You can try, I mean, you can sit there and rant with your notes for an hour and a half and the cat can just, you know, be there. The audience may even prefer that. You don't know. Well, that depends if whether or not I've got some spicy hot takes coming up, doesn't it? Firefly's got spicy hot takes. It does he balls. <laughs> he does. Uh, and the rare occasion when he farts, the, trust me, it's a spicy hot take. So, <laughs> yes, we've got up with Serenity. Serenity, of course, the movie came out in 2005, directed by Joss Whedon, who, of course, was the creator of the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. I'll just get it out of the way early. Just have it done. We can Completely unnecessary. So this is the movie that, that was born out of the cancellation of Firefly, uh, the show aired in the 2002-2003 season and was cancelled. We just reviewed all of the season, all of the show, and this is kind of our finale to that. This is why we're doing it here. This is a 121, but it's really a finale to that TV show. Is But obviously it's a movie, so we're doing it as a 121 episode, but this is the finale to that. So this is, uh, this is a finale here at the end. We took a lot longer to get through Firefly than we initially expected we would, given that it's so short. But every time we had to make room in the schedule for stuff, Firefly kept getting bumped, so it took a while to get through those, those 14 episodes. But we're finally here today to talk about Serenity. Um, one of the most kind of a personal... What, what, Certainly one of the earliest personal sort of big experiences for me going to the theatre, uh, being so invested in this thing that was taken away from me before its time. You're so bitter about this still. It's It's been decades, nearly. I'm never not going to be bitter about this. This is, you know, this was, I, I cherished this and it has been taken. And every time I've watched it since, I've just cherished it more because there's the potential. But... Serenity was kind of this almost miracle of like, hey, you could have like a, a reasonably budgeted movie to at the very least give this a send off. I mean, there was a hope at the time that, hey, if it does well, maybe we'll get a couple of movies, maybe we'll get a trilogy. And that was never really going to happen. Like, even though the fan base for Firefly is rabid, is it, the you know, sizable enough to actually sell enough movie tickets that it's enough to justify doing more more and more movies uh, it wasn't and that's okay because ultimately getting the movie in the first place was miracle enough and it, it like the, the movie answers and completes the journeys that it needs to complete not everything's tied up in a bow there's no way it could what, what you're saying is this isn't x-files no, because Joss Whedon's not a hack, and he, he knew that there's a good chance this is the last time he'd ever get to, to be in this world, so he made sure it was a goddamn ending. I, I agree. Yeah, it was, sure, there's o there's an open element to it where, yeah, we, we could have more adventures in the world. I mean, I'm sure you're something the comic books so are more than happy to fill that void, but... I am sure there is many a, a media filling that void already. Yeah, so... Serenity is kind of an interesting beast to discuss because it's, it's it, it, it technically it's supposed to work as a movie on its own as well, and I think it does uh, to a point. To, yeah, to a point. To a point. The thing is, though, is that it's impossible to view this w without the lenses of I've seen Firefly and I care about these characters and I care about the story. And there is definitely no denying that 
almost everything that happens in this movie works for you 50 times better <laughs> if you've already watched the show. Like, the, the movie's actually quite, quite well written in how it tries to introduce a lot of the things that it needs to introduce before the payoffs happen, but it's never going to have the same way. It's never going to have the same impact as having spent those 14 episodes with those characters and then having that time between the episodes in the movie to really miss them and have this kind of, like, last hurrah. Uh, I've heard. I think one of my favorite things there was a really nerdy documentary made by the by the fans uh, around the time this this came out, maybe a little bit after, uh, about the making of well, not so much the making of Serenity, but kind kind of the 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 desire for Serenity between Firefly and uh, the mm-hmm. movie, and some one of them described it as uh, Firefly was our battle of Serenity Valley, which we lost their cause and we didn't know what to do with ourselves. And then Serenity was finding the ship, just kind of like Mel did, and it was kind of this this solace after losing the war. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of a beautiful beautiful analogy. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. I um, I actually do think there is a couple of points in this movie that mm-hmm. suffer if you've you know if you're already a fan of the show and uh, you know you you come into this with all this knowledge. I think there are a couple of exhibition things that it, it has to set up to a point. Mm-hmm. But I do think it actually goes a little bit hard on one or two specific elements that we'll get to in a bit. Sure, sure. Um, that I actually feel like it's it's a bit detrimental that if you know this already, especially the second time it comes up, it kind of feels a bit redundant. Yeah, um, it may. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what you're talking about yet. When we get there, we'll we can debate it. But I, there is some necessary evils just because it has to be a movie that works for a new audience. Yeah, uh, and we'll we'll talk about those uh, when they came up. And Joss Whedon's on the record as this being the hardest thing he's ever written. Like you know, taking you know he had a five seven season plan. I can't remember what the exact number was, but you know he had a big multi season plan for this whole thing, and he had to take what was already in the show, give it a conclusion that was satisfying to people who'd watched the show, but also have it work relatively as a standalone movie. I think he succeeds as one of those things more than the other, but I do think as a standalone movie, it still succeeds well enough. Um, I think it's still good as a standalone yeah. movie, but it probably doesn't hit any truly great heights. It's, it's probably, it's a lot more kind of just like, oh, it's a fun summer popcorn movie as a standalone movie. As a conclusion to Firefly, it's an emotional roller coaster of like, oh my god, what is this? Uh, mm. What are you doing to me? Uh, Josh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. All right. So we'll start spoiler free, of course. Uh, well, do we do on we? this one? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if this is just a finale to Firefly, then there's no point in starting spoiler free. But if we're expecting people to come and, you know, just check out the movie as a movie review. M- maybe we should treat it the same way the movie did, where well, you never know. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we'll do a little spoiler-free, just a little spoiler-free. We'll warn you before we start spoilers, but uh, and that's when we'll work through the movie because I I do have notes. I did take some notes for the movie. They weren't quite as in depth as my episode by episode notes because I realised that and uh, you know if I took notes at that pace, I'd have about ten pages for the movie because of the length compared to an episode. So Jesus, Christ. I only have three and a half, three and a half pages. Oh, only only three and a half. Only three and a half. <laughs> Just to keep us on track, just to keep us going through, make sure we don't miss anything. I mean, why do that? Do you know the only reason I'm going to let it slide this time? Mm-hmm. It's because I watched this movie like a month ago now, and uh, and the notes all serve as a nice reminder for all the points that I want to nag about. Okay, sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, so. Yeah, um, I mean, just to talk generally then about sort of the the, the things. Uh, and then the movie, you know, simple stuff like 
the transition from being a TV to a, to a, to a movie in the sense of uh, like how it looks, how it feels, the the budget going up, things like that. And it transitions fairly smoothly, actually. I mean, you do feel the difference. It feels like a movie right away compared to a TV show. But I think it didn't feel like they decided to just redesign Serenity for the sake of having it be more movie. It's- Pretty much the same sets for the most part, right? I think no, I do think they literally had to build them again. But yeah, they, uh, well, yeah, 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 but they rebuilt them the same. The, right down to the fact, and this is one of these little details that I love is that there's a brief scene late in the film where you get to see them wearing their spacesuits, and I love that even the spacesuits were the same design as the TV show. They didn't, you know, because this is something that even like now, admittedly, Star Trek: The Motion Picture was twenty years after the show, so it was it was viable that just things had changed in that time. But, you know, even that had to change its outfits and all that. I didn't want anything to look like it did in the show. Not really. Uh, so I appreciate that there was no attempt to... Hell, even some movies are guilty of, like, you know, one movie to the next movie. of like, Oh, let's just change how half the things look because we feel like it. Just because we can. Cause, yeah. Because we've got the budget. Uh, but no, I was like, no, even their, their, their spacesuits, uh, the ship, all these things, they still look and feel like they did on the show. It definitely feels a bit more cinematic. Obviously, it's shot in 2351, which the show wasn't, obviously, but... Uh, and you know, it, it just it feels a bit pricier because of that, uh, and because of the the added time they have to light the scenes and things like you know they've got a dedicated DP. Uh, yeah, but, just the regular things you expect from yeah. what, which you might get away with on TV these days. Get, don't get me wrong. Yeah, and just just to clarify, obviously TV shows also have a dedicated DP, but DPs on TV. Uh, their job is to get things done quickly uh, and reliably, whereas in a movie, more time is given so they can actually, you know, make everything look... looking good. Yeah. yeah. So that's a time issue. It's not a talent issue. <laughs> Let me just make that clear. No, no, but I think it's it's clear again that we're talking about TV from the early 2000s. Yes. As opposed to TV now, where there are many shows that are made at the standard of movies uh, in terms of the filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, when you go to certain services and cable networks, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Firefly did look good for a network show from 2002. It absolutely does. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. does. And, and even by today's standards, it's not like it looks bad, but it definitely looks like a TV show, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's held up very well in that sense. Obviously, yeah. the effects have got a bump because it's a movie, and the, the movie effects hold up really well. They're, you know, the they're movie-level yeah. effects. Better than the TV effects do, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so all that stuff's really good. Characters look like the characters. No one feels that they've went through some grand overhaul. I mean, Book's hair is a little bit different, but it's not like... If that's the one thing we're going to point at and go, that's different. Uh, yeah, but some time has passed. People do change oh, their sure. hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a complaint. Uh, but, you know, because I, I feel like there's so many... There's so many examples of, like... Not many, maybe not TV show to movie, because there's not been that many of those specifically, but, like... You know, where even just something as simple of like every actor having different haircuts, great <laughs> in the sequels, like they all feel like different people. What's happening? <laughs> like, what? Why? This, this is, I don't, this is like a stupid complaint, but why has Black Widow had a different haircut in every single Marvel movie? It, like, she's never had oh, the no, same. No. There's, there's, there's an answer to this. Oh, go on. Action figures. See, that annoys me. It annoys me. It annoys me that she's never had the same haircut twice in a row. That really pisses me off for some reason. I don't know why. It shouldn't matter, but it infuriates me. Of course, we do have all the cast back. Uh, everyone kind of feeling at home in the roles. Uh, I mean, everyone came back. Like, I mean, certainly all nine of the main crew. And uh, obviously, there's a couple of villains and stuff that didn't pop back up. I mean, uh, the Hands of Blue, of course, are the the one big kind of glaring omission. If you were watching the show, uh, you just kind of have to accept that that was something that was dealt with in between uh, the two. Yeah. But I mean. There aren't a lot of villains that you would expect to be recurring. I mean, don't run. There were a couple who showed up 
two or three times over the 14 episodes. But none were like, oh, they need to come back. Oh, no, no, of course not. Uh, but, yeah, so you got everyone, you got sets looking good, everything feels like it did in the show pretty much. Uh, one of the biggest things that felt different was the music. And it's not so much that... It's still going for kind of creating the same mood where it's kind of the westerny stuff mixed with the other stuff, but it's definitely it's a different composer. It doesn't sound quite the exact same. You know, there was a lot more guitar, for example, in the show, whereas there's still a little bit of guitar in, in the soundtrack in the movie, but it's it's definitely very different. David Newman did the uh, the soundtrack yeah, here. Yeah, there's a there's, again, and there's a there's a really easy reason for this, and this is this is the budget is. Oh, we can afford to have an orchestra more and do yeah, and record more stuff. Let's yeah. do it. Whereas, generally speaking, a guitar is a lot cheaper to record. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, th- there still could have been a choice to keep some of the themes that were used for and 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 the score. I mean, that doesn't. I mean, just because you've got an orchestra doesn't mean you can't do the orchestral version of. Oh no, absolutely not. Yeah. I just mean in terms of the the tone and and, mm. and and sound of it, as opposed to the actual you know thematic harmonic quality in there that said though some really good music on firefly out of gas is a particularly good score so uh i don't know yeah. why it'd be uh, taken as uh belittling well i'm sure we spoke about some of the good music as we did the reviews i don't really yeah. remember but i'm sure we must have uh, and of course we do have a big villain in the movie uh played by chiotel ejifor who this is the first time i ever saw him in that's been you know, long before he was doing anything else and he became more of a staple in Hollywood. This was kind of the first time I saw him. Uh, he's a very intimidating villain, entries a new type of character into the movie, and we kind of, you know, we get kind of what his purpose is for the Alliance, of course, the Alliance. I mean, yeah, this is the case that you actually haven't seen any Firefly and you are just watching a movie review of this uh, to see the spoiler-free section. Yeah, it's about, uh, you know, in the future, there is a, a ship full of smugglers who are, who are harboring a fugitive girl who happens to be psychic uh, from the Alliance, which is the big organization that controls all the central planets, and they really want her back for some reason. And that's kind of what the setup of the plot is. So uh, yes. the bad guy is hunting her. That is the the premise. Yeah, and despite the name, the Alliance is the bad guys. Yes, why despite the name? Well, Alliance, you know, t- tends to be a friend, you know, a friendly sounding name. Okay, I guess sure, but as a rule, ally is a is a is a word with you know good connotations. Sure. Yeah, I, I suppose. I've never really... If you didn't know, and, and you know, this was your first entry to it, Alliance might sound like the good guys. <laughs> I've never really thought about it, but sure. <laughs> if, yeah. if if anything, maybe it's just because I've I've had Firefly in my life for the past like, you know, almost two decades. But I just I hear Alliance and I think villains. But sure. Uh, well, I'm sure there are people who come. You know, if you've come from, you know, okay, you've watched a lot of you know, other movies in general. You like sci-fi because otherwise, why would you be looking at Serenity at all? Hell, if even you haven't it... watched Firefly, Alliance. Do you, you? You might think Rebel Alliance, perhaps. No, I don't. If anything, the only other alliance I can think of is also villainous, and that was the Alliance in wrestling when WCW and ECW were the bad guys, and they were the Alliance. Like all the alliances I can think of, where they're just called the Alliance, are villains. <laughs> okay, right out of my head that one, but whatever. Yeah, I would never have thought of Rebel Alliance, uh, <laughs> ever. Of course not. Never. Um, so, no, I like. So you've got all that stuff set up. That that's that's the gist of the plot. Although, of course, Connor had to tangent us into explaining the word alliance for about five minutes. Uh, you think, and and you think I'm the one who's going to stretch this beyond uh, the length that it should be. 
I just feel like we should be thorough if we're going to do things right. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, movie's got a lot of action, movie's got a lot of humour. It's kind of typical Josh Bean stuff in that sense. It's very funny at times, very charming. And, as, you know, I would describe it as kind of a roller coaster, and that's a really t- cliche thing to say about a movie, but I really do feel about this one where there's happiness, sadness, laughter, fear. <laughs> like there's, a, there's a whole range of things it goes through very and effortlessly. Back and forth. You, you, yeah. you could accuse this of giving you a little bit of emotional whiplash. Uh, but you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I'm saying you could. If, if, if for whatever reason you didn't quite care to the extent that you should, then I could. Then you would probably be feeling like it was a bit of a, a bit of whiplash. Whereas if you're into it, it's it's a ride. Okay, so yes, I think we'll give the spoiler warning then, and we will dive in uh, to the entire movie. So I'll take this time to thank our patron producers for the month. Uh, so thank you to David Sharp, Alison M. Fordyce, Cindy Palacios, Tyler Hess, and Talking Superman. Uh, thank you very much. That means they're patrons at a $20 tier or above. You can, of course, support us for as little as $1 per month at patreon.com slash TV. And you get your bonuses for that. You get some stuff early at the $5 tiers, voting rights, and various other things. So go and have a look and see if you're interested. Uh, so yes, Sereni is, well, a big damn movie, isn't it? Very good. Very good. How long have you been thinking of that one? I didn't think it up. Not, I didn't make it up. Plus, it's not mine. No, no, but how long have you been thinking of you want to say that here? I just, I just thought of it. You do this all the time. You accuse me all the time of having something thought up in advance, and I almost never do. The, the thing is, you, you do a little smirk after, like you, you'd been thinking, oh, you're like, oh, I'm going to use that. Because I'm proud of what I just said, but I, I literally never, well, 99% of the time, I never think of any of these things in advance, and you always accuse me of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what you claim. I don't plan things, but I, I, like I, I do th- I, I do things in the spur of the moment. All right, if you say so. All right, so Serenity begins. Let's talk about the Universal logo because this is the first, this is where we need to begin. Oh, Jesus Christ, are we starting that early? <laughs> well, it doesn't need to think where you get the Universal logo coming in, and then instead of it just you know fading away like it normally does, the camera goes past the word Universal and the, the planet turns like sort of orangey and like desolate and into a different planet yeah uh yeah. and we see some ships like floating about and what that i mean we get like a sort of a, a, a preamble of uh you know the earth that was can no longer support human life although what i did notice compared to the one that was actually on the show um not that we see it that much like i don't, I don't think they like on the blu-ray or anything like that you hear this anymore but uh when the show originally aired there was a little if you remember like, in buffy there was a you know into every generation the slayer is born that was in the first couple of seasons uh firefly did have that for at least some of the episodes, uh, and Mal would do a little narration. Um, notably, the narration here, who turns out to be a school teacher, is a lot more like morbid sounding. Now, admittedly, it's more the music than her voice that's making it sound like that. But <laughs> but it, it feels really dark and like oh, you know, the Earth Earth can no longer support life. We, we were so many, and like she just she sounds so like. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, the bad. flow of this bit always and reminds me of, and I think this is a relevant comparison given the the recency ish at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the the opening of the the first Lord of the Rings movie, you know the 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 Galadriel's voiceover prologue that it does, uh, you know does the whole bit with with Sauron being there at the start with the armies. But that 
it, it has that same tone to it and, and kind of rhythm. Mm. But bear. Not really that far. But better. So, yeah. So the, the opening here is really neat. So there's a lot of stuff to set up in the movie. You have to set up uh, River. You have to set up the fact that she's been hunted. You have to also tease Reavers. You have to do all these things. And one of the things that the intro of this movie does really, really well, and sort of kind of in a smart sense before we get the title, is that it keeps kind of like transitioning to a new scene from the scene within. This is this kind of uh, sort of fun because passing the baton. Because this, this this first scene, when we see a teacher talking to the kids and the young river sitting there, and we hear some of the kids saying, because they're talking about the, the the war of the independence, and, you know, why why would they fight the alliance? Like, the alliance is great. Like, it gives us all these things on the, the planets and yada, yada, yada. And one of the kids says something like, ah, oh, because the, the independents are all, you know, feral and you know and rabid and blah blah and someone's no that's not independence that's that's only reavers and it's and it's just a nice little casual way of bringing it up amongst the kids mm-hmm. uh but it also makes sense actually because in the context of what's happening here this is a dream or a, a vision that river's having and river of course part of what she has in her head that's a secret is to do with the reavers so it makes complete sense actually when you look back on it why this little conversation is in there as part of her nightmare and, yeah, and it, it makes a lot of sense because it's it's it is a lot of you know her hyper contextualizing things that she doesn't really know yeah yeah yeah. Uh, and then there's like a sort of transition as she gets like the teacher like stabs her on the head but then it like cuts to like her she's like, like strapped to like a a med bay and like they've got like a, a sensor on her forehead and you've got this smarmy scientist explaining you know oh this is our greater fight greatest fine river has the best potential of combat everything she does is so elegant and she's got all this and then for those of us who have seen the show, we recognize who he's talking to. And it gets kind of exciting because you realize what this is. We heard about this a lot on the show, but we never saw it, which was Simon breaking River out of the Alliance's like uh, science lab or hospital or whatever it is. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it gets kind of exciting. And, you know, you know, there's a moment where he says, oh, she always did love to dance. And again, if you've seen the show... That was a specific thing that was brought up that she loved to dance. There was a whole scene in the in the witch episode in Safe uh, where we see her dancing with the locals and she really gets into it. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, it's another little contextual thing that just, just ticks together. Just, just but perfectly. so far, all working for you know, new, listen- uh, new watchers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is one of these things where that line is essentially all you get in the movie to set up what she was like before they did this to her. And it's not really enough, right, you know, to really care the way we do. But it's something. It's like there's something in there to give you a sense of who she was before, even if it's just that one moment. I think that in, in the movie's defense, people know what a normal teenage girl is like, generally speaking. Right? So, okay. so okay, we don't know, you know, you, maybe, you don't know her exact personality, what she was like before. But, okay, you, you, you can imagine normalcy, and this is clearly not it. So it yeah, does kind of, yeah. It doesn't need to go too far to to make it work because it's you know already you know a, a concept people are familiar with. Yeah, uh, I actually you know I like this moment because like he says she always did love to dance in front of the guy and he, he looks confused. He's like, wait, what? And that's the moment he chooses to strike with his like stun thing. You know, it was out of his staff that knocks everyone out. Uh, and then we get them sort of running away. And then again, it transitions out of this scene where they're, they're going up the elevator to their, their escape. You know, whatever ship that Simon's paid off to like pick them up. Uh, it's, you, you just hear the words say stop. And my favorite part of this, and you may appreciate this as the sound, where it's really loud because they're in this like kind of like exterior place where 
we, we hear all the all the, all the wind that's going down the shaft from the ship at the top and it's just nothing but low clanking and noise and as soon as he says stop the sound all just cuts yeah almost too far there it loses some of the just the natural tone just enough to cover the space um but it's it's effective that's for sure yeah, and then he says rewind, and it comes back down, and he says play back, and then he walks through the hologram. So we get this other this neat transition again to this scene, to this scene, uh, you know, where we get probably the most exposition here and the most valuable kind of stuff setting things up. But, you know, it makes it clear that okay, River and Simon are brother and sister, right? I think this is the scene that really defines that, mm. and. Also, that this guy is looking for him, and it sets up just how much of a big deal he is because you know the, the doctor dude that we saw previously talking to Simon comes and says, "Oh, what are you doing here? You have no right to be in here," and he's like, "Oh yes, you're right to insist for my credentials," and he gets his credentials up very calmly as well. He doesn't get angry at the guy; he's yelling at him or anything. He just does it, and as soon as he, like this guy, the doctor sees on the screen what he is, he just shuts up and says, "Of course, like you're an oper- you know, an operator of the Parliament would have complete access." Um, and it also mentioned this scene, I think, as well, that you have no name, you have no rank. Like this facility, you do not exist. So it, it's actually, yeah. it, it clearly defines what he is to the people in charge, that he is this kind of off-the-books guy because they don't want he, anyone to know the, about this. the black agent that you, you call in to do all the, yeah. the, the off-the-books stuff. It's actually the first hint, uh, I'm just checking my notes here, but the first, the first hint of what's revealed later in the movie is actually in the previous scene with River. Uh, she says out loud at one point, uh, not telling people, no, sorry, in the, in the classroom, not in the, the breakout uh, okay in the classroom yeah where she says uh she talks about uh when the, when the when they're talking about why would the independence resist and she says because you meddle uh people don't like being told what to think um mm. or what to do and it's actually a hint because when you find out what ha- later on what they actually did it very much is meddling and sort of trying to make people do what you want uh so you know again Classic it's just bad guys yeah, just a thematic thing there. This still ties in really nice. Um, so, yeah. Uh, a lot of great dialogue in this scene. I love because there's so much to get across. And it does this thing here that I love so much where the operative is like saying, okay, look at this footage. You've not, you know, you've not analyzed this enough. And he's like, what do you see in his face? And he's like, ah. Oh, it doesn't really have an answer and he says like oh you know breaking her out of the facility like so much potential and he he was like a decorated doctor which again exposition for people who didn't see the show he had this career he was a big doctor he could have just he had a comfortable throwing life a lot away to do this yeah and he said it's madness and i love the operator's response he's like now look at his face it's not madness it's love something a great deal more dangerous in fact um yeah and it's i think what i like about this is it tells you that he understands the the thought process uh you know he mm. understands okay you know because it's really typical to have villains that just can't comprehend the idea of people doing things for love and this isn't that at all this is no he understands it and understands the the desperation that 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 can lead to yeah and that desperation makes this more difficult because of how simon will react and what he will do to defend her and all you know all these other things he looks at it very pragmatically and the operators are such an interesting character, and he's very important to the... Obviously, we haven't got to what I would say is the main character of the movie, which is Mal. We'll get to him in a minute. But, you know, I think this is... I'll, I'll say here the reason why we have the opera... Because, I mean, there could have been an argument, right? I could see people arguing at the time. And I don't know if I ever did, but, this, but I could see it happening where 
like, well, we set up that the hands are blue, right? And they were kind of these intimidating villains. Why aren't they just the villains of the movie and just sort of wrap it up there and just do, still do all the stuff with Miranda and all the stuff we're going to get to, but have them be the ones chasing them the whole time? And the argument for it is that a big part of what the show set up for Mal's arc about who he is, the operative has to be the villain to complete that arc, to complete that story. He does. Because the whole point of the operative is that he is the he's Mal to the Alliance. He, he or not not exactly, but in the way that he is devout to his cause. Because this movie is about mm. him going through what Mal went through. So, um, at least at the end, it is. So this is why it's important because he is someone who believes utmost in what he's doing. Because I mean, some of the dialogue in the scene which I love is when the guy's like, you know, because so the big moment here where is like you you so. You described her as this... He plays back a bit more of the footage, right, where he's talking to Simon and he says, oh, you know, key members of parliament have, you know, personally supervised this process or whatever. And he's like, key members of parliament, you took the most powerful, influential, and important people in the galaxy who, you know, make decisions based on everything and have all the secrets in the world, and you put them in a room with a psychic... I love that line because that's something that the show never actually clarified is why they care so much, right? So even to me watching the movie in the first like three, four, five minutes, they've hit me with this bombshell of like, oh, it's that simple. It's it's, what does she know? Yeah, she knows. It's not because I think in the show, you're still maybe under the assumption that even by the end, that no, they want their pet project back. They want her to go back so they can keep. And I think that that's definitely an element of it. Yeah, if they can bring her back alive, I think they'd rather do that, but yeah but th- th- that idea is like okay that's already exciting and then he talks about how this is his hubris and yada 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 um but the the, the way like the operative's dialogue here is wonderful like i love every word that comes out of his mouth it just it, it tells us something about not only the plot and like river and what we're doing with that stuff but also about what type of character he is every, every line of dialogue serves two purposes and it's beautiful they're written because of that yeah it's always very calculating dialogue like you can see the cogs turning and mm-hmm. there's not like a a question wasted or, or a statement that's redundant um he doesn't you know waste his words but yeah. he knows how to speak eloquently enough to make a point and he talks about how people you know when they failed their masters they'd you know <laughs> basically commit sepicure is what he's talking about more or less um yeah. and the guy sort of arrogantly goes well i didn't bring a sword to work today and then of course he pulls out a, <laughs> like a sword right there in front of him and he just shuts up it's a great little moment um yeah. But one of my, again, another favorite line in this scene is, so he, he yells up to the, the woman who works to the secretary or whoever it is, he's like, hey, I'm going to need to look at all these, you know, these footage or travel logs in the area, yada, yada, yada. And he does this little move where he sort of puts his hand in the guy's side and it kind of paralyzes him. So he's just kind of teetering and he's clearly going to fall over. And all he does is he sort of like kneels down and he, put, he points the sword upwards so the guy's going to fall on the sword, like literally fall on a sword, uh, yeah. which... I mean, call me crazy, I, I really just thought that was an expression, the idea of falling on your own sword. It wasn't a literal, I'm going to fall I, on the sword. <laughs> I think generally speaking, it is. Yeah. <laughs> a metaphorical saying. Um, I wonder if this is one of those ideas where, oh no, this is in the future and it got taken literally at some point and oh, kind maybe, of got yeah. warped. Yeah, yeah. Or he's just being dramatic. This is him. Well, there's that too, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he puts the sword out and he falls on his death. And I love that when he actually does it, because he's talking to the, the, the woman for a while, right, as he's waiting for him to fall. But as soon as the guy actually does fall on the sword, which is a great little death sequence, he turns to him and says, there's no shame in this. This is a good death. 
what we're doing here matters. We're building a better world. All of them. We're building better worlds. And that moment is the moment where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this guy believes in what his job is. You know, there's a line earlier on in the scene where he says that secrets are not his concern, keeping them are, right? He is devout in fighting for the cause of which he's persuaded himself to, even if he's not privy to why he's fighting for certain things, even if he's not behind the decision-making process. He is a loyal soldier, just like Mal was when he was fighting for the independence. Oh, absolutely. He's, uh, he's utterly indoctrinated into the cause. Yeah. I think that is pretty interesting because there is no real moral quandary to it. He doesn't even see himself as a, you know a good or a bad guy. He's just someone doing his job. He's doing what's got to be done. I actually had combat. I see he does see himself as a bad guy, kind of. You know, he's he, later on in the movie he says what he does is awful. He knows that, and like that the better world that he's trying to create has no room for him or Mal. Like you know, the world we're trying to like fight for is okay. I see what you're saying. I, I think yeah. only he sees himself as a bad guy. I think he just he sees his actions as something that he he wants to be unnecessary well i'd, I'd say i'd rephrase it he doesn't see himself as a villain but he mm. does he does see himself as someone who does a lot of bad things even if he believes in the reasons for doing yeah. them like he yeah, knows yeah. their awful actions uh so wonderful scene that sets up so much and you know he's like yeah we need to go to work now and the scene ends where he goes up and looks at the hologram that's still paused uh, on River's face, and he says, "Where are you, little girl?" Which transitions with the accompaniment of a of a violin to the Serenity logo, which is in, you know painted on the side of the ship, and we get the introduction to the actual ship. Yeah, honestly, a lot of these early edits, um, with the way they transition through, it reminds me of like you know when when they do a film that they do in like you know, okay, we want it to look in like one take, but obviously there's all the the stealth edits hidden. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that in style where it's always passed through someone and. You know, it always it, it's trying to maintain that momentum and that flow, and it's not actually like doing any harsh cuts away from things. It's kind of moving through them. Yeah, obviously, there's lots of cuts here and these scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean in, in terms of the the feel of it and the direction, rather than the actual editing, because obviously they're not going for that effect. You know, physically of the, the one take, just it, in the flow of it. It does a great job of setting up a lot of information that's very key. Um. And again, I can't, I can't watch this without knowing what I know from the show. So I, I, you know, I can't say for sure how effective any of this is to someone who's not seen the show. And I, I, you know, I know at least a couple of our viewers did see Serenity first and went back and watched Firefly. So there are people who have done this. Mm. And I'm glad that they did go back and watch and it inspired them to check out. Because, oh, there's more of this. Let's, let's go see more. Um, and I'd love to know, not like... Uh, sorry? Not enough. Yeah. But I, I would love to actually know if, like, the second time you watch... Uh, let's say you watch Serenity first, you go back and watch the show. Presumably you then watch Serenity again when you've done the show because it's a nice capper to the whole thing. I'd love to know, like, how much better the experience is that second time where everything just means so much more to you. I'd love to hear that perspective. Mm, that would be interesting. So we go to, we go to the ship and it's funny to talk about winners because we get a winner here uh, to introduce the crew of the ship that are on the ship at least uh, obviously there's a couple of characters missing who are not living on the ship at the start of the movie uh, we do get a winner going through all the characters designed to introduce every single character on the ship uh, and, it's, and and the layout of the ship as well and the layout of the ship uh, it's not it's notable that again the layout is the same as the show and i said this when we we're talking about the, the the show at one point uh, somewhere in there that i loved that i knew the layout it's like I, I could i can walk around it in my head i know where the things are i know how to get from this place to the next for the most part yeah and... it has a really well not necessarily you know logical structure in the okay it's exactly mm. what you'd expect but more it's 
it's designed in a realistic way that once you understand it, it, it functions like a real place. Yeah, the areas are all distinct enough to be memorable. They're not all just c- copies of each other. It's consistent as well, which is the big thing. Uh, yeah. So, no, it looks really good. Um, and it starts off with the joke of, you know, uh, what was that? They just fell off my ship and Wash being like, oh, you want an honest answer? Because they're going through the atmosphere at this point to land on a planet. And he's like, oh my God, oh my God, we're all going to die. And Mal, you know, says that over the, the, the comms and... Uh, this sort of leads to kind of like some of the dialogue that he has with the other characters as he's going and it's funny you mentioned how there's like a fake cut sometimes in one to give the impression that it's all one take mm. there is one fake cut in here or one you know fa- you know hidden cut H- hidden cut, yeah. uh, uh, because it was two sets because they, they didn't have like two floors of a set they had each floor completely built and connected but uh, when they go down the stairs there is a cut hidden in there because they you know they, they couldn't do that all it's in a one very take. uh in, in things that are doing the one is going up and down stairs and ladders is a really common yeah place to hide cuts yeah partly because if there's a lot of motion it's easier to do but all the real reason is, is that if it's a set then it's really hard to you know usually they don't build sets with multiple floors they usually there's no point yeah they'll have a floor here and then a floor over there and that's that's just how they do it yeah. uh so yeah we get introductions to everyone uh, we, we meet jane first uh, and it tells it shows us his attitude really quickly where he wants to bring grenades on his mission and that this actually comes back later as a great callback but uh mm. mal's like no no grenades he's like ah <laughs> like you know it, it gives us his attitude very quickly what type of person he is yep and then he runs into zoe who says oh are we crashing again and you know, again that gives us a sen- the sense of humor on the ship usually and he says talk to your husband okay so now we know she's married to the pilot again just a quick little thing just to get it in there yeah and then he goes to the engine room to say hey why is my ship blowing up <laughs> uh, so we meet her and she complains that the, the you know one of the parts has been overdue for months and again it gives us the idea of like oh they're, they're constantly scrounging and scraping to afford parts for the ship like that again gives you the tone of the show and what they were doing all at the time and maybe in a, in a worse state than usual as well if it's been overdue for that long yeah 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 so really good stuff and then it comes out and it and what i love is that the camera's pretty much constantly moving as he's talking to all these characters but the one time it stops moving is when simon's like behind him and it just stops dead because unlike the others he's the element on this ship who's not like he's like you know he's at a place like he's the one he's the additional element that even though he, he's kind of he was kind of, he kind of becoming more at home as the show went on this is telling you know he's not a natural member of this crew he's like the additional element that feels like he belongs to a different world uh, yeah like he, he's there and he's part of it but he's not he's not one of the family yeah uh, at least not yet um yeah so uh, he's basically pissed because they're taking river and you know mal calls her a seer uh, which we did establish in the last episode of the show, actually. But this is so. This is a cool little progression of that, where they're actually using her. They're going to utilize her ability in some way on one of their jobs. Yeah, this is one of those moments where you kind of. I think it's probably the first moment of the movie where you wish you'd seen you know some stuff in between, right? Mm. Like you know, because up till this point, it's been okay. Introduction, more or less, could have picked up straight after. Um, this is the moment where you go, oh man, we've missed a lot of them learning to utilize this and her having some semblance of control enough to do this. Yeah. Um, but it would have been cool to see. It would have been cool to see, but I mean, I, I think time has to have passed for the movie to work. Oh, so. oh it does. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not yeah. complaining that they shouldn't have done this. I'm just saying it's it's the first moment of the movie where you go, oh man, okay, that would have been cool to see on the show. 
I don't think at any point in the movie I ever thought that though. Like, I, I, when I was watching the movie, I just got excited by like, oh wait, we're using her. Like, you know, I got excited by the prospect that this is where it's went. Uh, That's interesting. Because I definitely maybe, maybe this is something to have our mindsets in general. Because like when it, like for example, I, Star Wars, I, I love okay expanded universe stuff. Fill fill in all this other random stuff. And I, I like seeking out these expansions to these stories, right? So this here, when they go, oh, okay, you know, oh, we, we've got this now. I'm like, oh, I want to see that story as well. I, I immediately, I'm like, oh, I want to see them learn in that, that process. I mean, obviously, had the show kept going, there would have been a gradual thing to that. Yeah. But uh, that said, though, I mean, it does sound like this is, like, if not the first time, then one of the first times, because Simon's so upset about this happening. Like, this is, you know... I feel like this is maybe the the most pressure is on it rather than just being the first time sure i mean i don't know i got, I got the sense it was high pressure but not necessarily the first time um certainly on a haste it, it seems like it's the first time you know maybe they've mm-hmm. taken her places before where it's not been as dangerous but this is no they're going to rob a place she's actually on a crew to go and commit a robbery yeah, that's true. uh which again sets up that these are kind of you know rogues or scoundrels they're not like you not know playing by the law yeah that's squeaky clean characters uh, and they, they they walk and talk for a little bit, and it sets up a couple of things where you patch up my crew. You're the doctor. Um, if there's anything that I'll complain about, or I don't even complain about, but just kind of point out in terms of like an inconsistency with the show, it does kind of feel like we've reverted a little bit of how close Simon's become part of the crew, uh, for the sake of the movie's plot just working better for a first timer. Because when Mal says here, you're not a part of my crew unless you know unless I conjure it does like. We kind of did that plot in the show where they've gotten to a point where he does feel like he's the, the, the doctor of the crew now. He's the med guy, right? kind of did that exact point where, where Mal's like, you're part of my crew because I yeah. say you are. And that, that kind of happened. And I think that's one of these necessary evils uh, to make it just function better for... like, So there's more of an arc for that relationship in the movie. Probably. It is people. a little frustrating because, especially as time's passed, you'd have expected them to have gotten closer, not... Yeah. Reverted back. It's such a minor point though that it doesn't really it doesn't really come up that much again. I would say have some tension no. between them that I, I don't really because even the because the tension between them I still buy even if I'm you know incorporating what I know from the show because I, like like we we're just saying Mal's taking her on a heist and they almost getting her killed. I buy that Simon's getting pissed and maybe this is a drawing po- you know a, a line in the sand where he's like no we're going to leave now so everything that happens after this still works for me. It's just you know this line here. It uh, feels like, nah, they're a bit, you know, a bit rougher uh, a place to start with than I'd expect. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. But that's that's basically that. Uh, and of course, um, we do have one or two more people to, to meet. Uh, well, one. Uh, we have River to meet. Um, but again, just some exposition here with Simon. He says, like, uh, you know, keeping you here means dodging uh, the Alliance. It means dodging some types of work, even honest ones. Again, just gives you a sense of what type of characters they are and what this ship does. Uh, yeah. So, really good. Um, and notably, the water ends on River, you know, where it follows Simon up the stairs in the cargo hold and ends with her on the, you know, on the grain. Um, and I think what's really smart about that is that because she is the plot of the movie, it, you know, ends with her, right? I think it works as well, just even before you get to the, the plot of the movie as a whole, I think it just works thematically. We, we came into this scene going, where is she? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, oh, oh we found her. We can stop now. Yeah. Um, I think it's also as well because uh, she says something, we're going on a ride. It, it does almost feel like, uh, like okay, the movie's starting now, right? We're going on a ride. 
like yeah uh, it, it has that kind of feel to it but notably this is actually something that i know we didn't talked about in the commentary which i, I haven't listened to since like I listen to commentaries on a regular basis, so it's been a long time. But one of the points that I always remember him talking about here that he felt he needed was a moment that because we we started on River and all those like scenes from the the opening and like she's the end of this this one or he felt they needed a scene where she kind of passes the torch to Mal to make it clear that this is this is Mal's story first. I mean, River's obviously the, the big plot point, and because she's the she's essentially the MacGuffin, right? But well, obviously she's got her own arc, though she's not just a, a MacGuffin, but she is essentially really vital to the plot for that reason. But it is Mal's story ultimately. It's, you know, fire the story of Firefly is his story first, yeah. and uh, so there's a moment here where you know she's behind him, and you know he says, oh, "Are you ready?" or whatever, and she's like, uh, "Are you?" And the, the focus literally shifts to him, and it's just a quiet little moment. She's like, uh, what, does he, "What does he say again?" Um, uh, "I always am, darling." I think he says uh, something like that. Um, yeah. But it's just a, it's just a little quiet moment in between like the the, the one or and then the the quick stuff that happens right after this, just to say hey we're going from her to him. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of easy to miss if you're not mm-hmm. looking for it, right? And it is more of a just a, a thematic touch because I don't think you know if you play this to you know the a casual audience they're probably not going to pick up on that in terms of most people aren't paying attention to the subtleties of filmmaking to that extent. Oh yeah, but we are. We talk about movies. No, no I, I know. I, I, well, I, obviously, we are. I'm not saying. Oh, we're not going to talk about this. <laughs> Christ, I'm just saying. I think it works on it. On just maybe it works on a subconscious level, or maybe people. I don't even know if they if they notice. It's it's nice. I understand why he's doing oh, it. I, no, I think it's subconscious. I think it's the sort of thing that you know maybe on a first view, and I wouldn't like. But like having hear him say that, I now imagine it with it without it. You know, I, I imagine cutting that out and just continuing from here. And maybe there, maybe there would be a feeling like, oh, we started on River, but now Mal's the main character. Like, it is nice to just have a little, just a little moment that sort of says, no, 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 this has. Yeah. There's definitely been some movies and TV shows that we've spoken about where it feels like, oh, this was a main character, and and it, it's not until like two thirds through that you kind of realize that it's not really the main character that you thought it was. Absolutely. So, no, great introductions to all these characters, um, and we're going on this thing. There's a great joke here I love, where they're getting in, the, they've got like a, this wasn't in the show, they've got this little uh, speeder, like, uh, chariot thing, uh, mm. this little hovercraft, and they're all gearing up to go and, you know, getting their goggles on, including River, and Simon comes up and says, look, if anything happens, River, uh, you just run, it's okay to leave them to die, which is a really funny line. Right, and I feel like there's been some funny lines, you know, in the opera I've seen and stuff. But I feel like this is the first, like, true, like, Whedon line where the audience should get a sense of, like, okay, this is the sense of humor this movie's going to have. I think the difference is the stuff in the earlier scene was uh, a lot darker. Mm. So it, was a, it was a lot. It, it was still funny, but in in a lot darker way. Whereas this feels more like family banter. Yeah, and then of course Mal does his whole, um, yeah, don't worry, Doctor. Um, if anything happened to your sister, I'd be real choked up. I'm serious. There could be tears, and then he just you know hits the gas and <laughs> they, they the fly out. Yeah, it's a really good moment. Uh, but again, there's a little moment here after this because there's one because other relationships we've not really established yet, other connections between characters that we've not done. And the little moment here is that Kaylee walks up afterwards as Simon's kind of looking out, sort of worried at you know where his sisters went off to. Um, even the idea that he's ignoring you know Kaylee, this sweet girl who clearly you know, wants to, like, get to know him and spend time with him, and he's too busy, like, looking off into the distance thinking about his sister. That is very much their relationship, so it's a perfect little, you know, encapsulation I, I of that. This is, 
another one of those beats like we had between Mal and Simon, where things have just obviously been paused for mm-hmm. a bit longer than we'd assume. Because again, you know, there was progress being made in that department over the season. Yeah, uh, between the two of them, and this feels like oh, oh, we're still there. And again, this is one of those where we've we've ju- we've just got to. Yeah. So you have that, and now you have the heist. Um, some fun stuff. Oh, Jane's got the big line where he says, "Let's be bad guys." It was in all the trailers because, of course, it was. Uh, I do love his clothesline when he comes in and he, he, he flips the guy upside down and just drops him on his head. That's a fun little beat, I think. Jane's uh, always fun in action scenes, so. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so and then there's the decoy safe that you know there's a little line from Zoe which is like, "Oh, finally we can give up this life of crime." Uh, it's really good but the good thing that happens here though which i love uh river's got a few good faces in this movie i know that's a weird thing to say but one of my favorites is like they come in they get everyone sort of down their knees and they're all this is a this is a robbery we're, we're here still money it's not yours you know it's insured by the company and the company will never because we hear like a kind of scene with mal and zoe that they'll never report their losses because it will only make them look weak so they wouldn't even have a lion's chasing after them for this and they bring in river to essentially suss out if anyone's going to try and put up a fight and she like you know comes in barefoot and what i really liked about this and this is something that only works for people who've seen the show but her walking her barefoot and the way it's filmed as she's sort of like coming in sensing the room it really made me think of objects in space where the way she sort of perceived the world around her this idea that she's connected to everything and she's kind of feeling out that way i don't know it's just... I, I, no I, i'm with you as to why it has that extra yeah. connection um i think this works in general, for people who haven't seen it, I think um, uh, Befa is a is a really common trope for you know feeling closer to nature, right, mm-hmm. and um, and being more connected to Earth usually. Um, but I think that works in context here of okay, is still establishing that same essential trope of uh, being more, more connected and, and aware of 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 our surroundings. So I think it works either way. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, we have this. They have the house. There's a funny little conversation where uh, Mal's talking to the guy who's down in the vault where they get to him and they're like, oh, we have to shoot you to make this look good. He's like, well, could I just be more of a grazer? Well, you don't have to look like you just gave up. You know, he's kind of funny little stuff. Uh, even actually when they first opened the door and the guy's like, can I have your password? And like Jane just like fires a couple of rounds down into the, <laughs> like into the hallway. He's like, okay. <laughs> uh, just, just little beats like that that really make it all work. And so I was talking earlier how, actually, just but actually, I'll give you, I'll give you a complaint here. There's an awkward bit of exposition here that I don't like. Oh, I wonder if because I've got one coming up in this scene as well. I wonder if it's the same one. It's the old guy saying, "Oh, the Brunecott, see, fought for the independence." Yeah, I don't know. It's, it just sticks out to me because they set up enough with the. I think it's just the, the way he says it. See if he just said, "Oh, you fought in the war for the independence, right?" But it's the way that he actually uses the name Browncoats. It's like they really wanted to get the word Browncoats in just so that it was in the movie. And it just yeah. it felt clunky to me. But It is clunky. That was actually not the bit I was talking about. It's a minor thing. Uh, but yeah, so River, and this is what I love about the I love the, the reveal of this. And I was talking earlier about how being excited as a fan of the show, where we are now, and like hearing like hearing that okay, so something River knows is what the alliance is after. That was a new detail. Here's something we never got in the show. We never got to see Reavers. We never got to see them yet. That we saw the ship pass by once. That that was all we ever had of Reavers visually. 
Uh, we got the sort of the, the guy who was becoming like a reaver or trying to become a reaver. Getting him there, yeah. Yeah, but we never saw the real reavers. Uh, but I love how this is because uh, again, watching it, having haven't seen it multiple times. So the reveal of the reavers arriving is like this: this uh, little girl's complaining that oh she heard some gunshots or something, and her mother picks her up and says, "Oh, well, maybe we'll go contact the lawman." And it comes out of nowhere as she turns around. So first of all, we know that they've got a little girl, which makes it really dark uh, mm-hmm. in and of itself. But the way it's like we just see a reaver swipe, and the way it kind of flashes to river, uh, there's like a little tease again of what's coming later. I'm I'm pretty sure there's a flash. There's definitely later, but there might even be a flash at this moment of uh like stuff from miranda there may be like a, a single little flash in between the cuts uh as, well, just like a frame or two yeah um but again it's this idea of the the, the, the i mean reavers are scary to everyone because they're reavers but uh they're especially they make river break down she gets really scared and starts like losing control of herself and yeah. uh starts yelling reavers and uh and this is the, so this is the thing what we've established so far is that Mal's pretty funny. A lot of these characters are pretty funny, but they're doing crimes. They're doing bad things. He didn't seem to care when he was talking to Simon about taking his sister out. There's a risk almost of not finding him likable or not wanting to root for him. And the moment here that makes it really sort of click for a new audience to show that he does have the heart, right? He's got a heart of gold is when Jane comes down, first of all, yells his name. So he's like, everyone's got to keep yelling my name. We're on a heist. Uh, but he comes around and says there's Reavers. He just turns to the guy that, again, we were having a really funny scene about talking about where to shoot the guy, right? It was like a funny, playful scene. And as yeah. soon as he hears Reavers, it does two things. It tells us how serious this is, if we hadn't already gotten that, which we kind of have from, you know, the, t- the attack, you know, the glimpse, but... Yeah. But he, his tone, his demeanor changes, and he just says, does that door lock from the inside? You get everyone down here, and you lock them in the vault, and you do not come out until, you know, things have passed. Um, I really like that moment. It does a lot to tell you who, to, what, you know, even if Mal's a, a, a you know, a, a petty thief as a he was bit accused of, a of being, but he's yeah. not, he's not a terrible person. Yeah, he's, he's the heart of gold is in there. Uh, he yeah. does care about people, um, you know, and there is darker elements here where the the guy, it was actually the guy who was going to fight back that they sort of de-arm. Uh, disarm, so not de-arm. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, like that was a weird phrase. De-arm. De-arm sounds like you're just ripping his arm off. <laughs> de- de- <laughs> Yeah, the the guy with this arm, uh, he's the one that actually ends up shooting because when they're leaving on the on the you know the the hovercraft, the this guy is like trying to like claim on, and Mal's like we have to push him off. It can't take the weight. So when they do push him off, and we're seeing Reavers land, you know, and they're grabbing people and people are screaming, uh, and they're being chased by Reavers, of course. Uh, eventually, he takes out his his pistol and he shoots the the guy in the chest, um, and it's kind of this moment of okay, what they're going to do to him is worse than you know, so killing them is better killing them is better than letting yeah. them live here and i will say during this sequence this is where one of my biggest gripes of the exposition mm-hmm. is and i don't i don't know for sure if this is just because you know I've, I've seen the show and i've got more expectations but it's the way they talk about the reavers because as is going on they're talking about what the reavers are what they're going to do and i'm like i'm kind of seeing it already there's chaos going on they're terrifying and it did get to me a little because we had that that like throwaway line near the start, right, about Reavers in the in, mm-hmm. here in the classroom. They kind of established them as a, okay, what just the core like one line concept of what they are, and then we're seeing them in action, and you know, okay, they're brutal and they're terrifying, and okay, you know, the the bit where all right, this is so serious, just right, abandon heist, get everyone in the vault, like get to actual safety, yeah, and that all worked so well, but then it just there's bits where they stop and just talk about the Reavers and the threat and what they are and. 
I don't know. It kind of just dragged it out for me. There's some some moments of what they say that worked for me when it sort of leads to. Because I think there's some stuff with Jane, especially where where they're talking to Jane and he's like, you know, if they take me, you know, I, I don't want to be no Reaver like snack or whatever he says. I can't remember what the line is. Um, you know. Uh, also, this is really funny because when they're being chased uh, in the hovercraft, he's like, "Gee, wouldn't it be nice if we had some grenades?" <laughs> Uh, yeah. great call back to that that earlier line and of course again another funny moment he gets like basically uh, stabbed with like a harpoon like this you know that this try to pull him back and he's like hanging out at the back of the hovercraft and you know, he yells out to mal uh, you shoot them if they take me right which we already saw mal do so we know this is a thing like this is the preferred option but mal immediately pulls out his pistol uh, and starts to aim it and jane goes well don't shoot them before they take me <laughs> Yeah, not not yet. <laughs> uh, what he's actually doing is shooting the the, the rope that the harpoon's attached to, so you can yeah, yeah. grab him. But it's a it's a good funny moment. Uh, really exciting little sequence. Um, I'm just making sure I've not missed anything in my notes here. Uh, to that's worth mentioning. Um, but uh... also, I, I was when that when that moment does play while we're on it, it always plays mm. as a bit of a Star Wars reference as well for me. What? Um, you know, we're, we're okay. You know, Jane's hanging on and and. Mal- to shoot the other the the rope that that's that's on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it always reminds me of the the, uh, the Sarlacc pit uh, in 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 Jedi, where with Han having to you know shoot the tentacle to, to save Lando. Okay. And it's again with with the banter as well that's going on as they're doing it. It, it just reminds me so much of that. Well, I don't think it's a, a secret to say that you know Mal and Firefly don't exist if Han Solo doesn't exist. Oh, so absolutely I mean, not. But it's it's rare you can pinpoint specific moments and scenes. I mm. think that you go, oh no, this correlates exactly to that. Well, rather, as opposed to, we'll we'll oh. get to some shooting first later. Don't you worry. <laughs> we will. We will. I not, not 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 never. Uh, but it's rare that it's, it correlates to directly a scene or a moment. It's usually just the general swagger and impression, right? Mm. Yeah. I think, so this is probably one of the lines that you didn't like with the exposition, but it's when, uh, I think, maybe Zoe, someone says, uh, they'll want us alive when the E is, right? I think that's maybe one of the lines you probably didn't like, is they were kind of really... Yeah. Harping on it. Um, I get it. I get it. I do think it's important to establish that they do that, though. <laughs> like that's how bad they are i feel like that that maybe it should have came later in some other way but i think that detail is important to put I across it. i think honestly i think my biggest problem isn't like any individual line mm. of dialogue here it's more just we're seeing the reavers in action they're terrifying uh we understand they're so bad that jane the the big tough guy mm-hmm. would rather be shot than than you know be left to them yeah that's so impactful in its own right that i feel like adding all this extra dialogue just undercuts a lot of the the fear of what they are for me um it doesn't undercut it for me it just like yeah it's a couple of clunky lines of exposition luckily it's not something i feel lasts beyond the early like you know 20 minutes of the movie it's something this is this is probably the the worst example of it for me Um, you know it's like i say it's it goes on for two minutes no, or so, and it's not the worst thing ever. I think the brown coat slaying is worse. That one really sticks out to me. The way he just sort of stops his uh, brown coat, eh? Fought for the independence. Okay. <laughs> That's worse as an individual line. Sure. And just, that it's just there to get brown coats in. This one bothers me more because it feels counterintuitive when there is action doing the same job uh, already on screen. 
and this is just there for the sake of it. Yeah, it's a fun little bit of action, though, where Wash comes in with the Serenity and kind of swallows them up. Uh, a barn swallow, I think he calls it. Um, and uh, sort of swallows them up. Uh, the Reaver ship. And there's some good stuff before that where they kind of, like, shoot some rocks into the Reaver ship. And do you know what I love about the Reaver ship, actually? I love the nasty black smoke that's coming out of it. Like, it's, it, it looks like it's just, mm. like, killing the ozone layer. Like, every, every you know, like, foot it travels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it is not eco friendly. No, uh, I I love that that aspect of the reaver ships, but because just even here you're you're watching their little hovercraft. That I mean, maybe it is bad for the environment. I don't know, but like this, the, the reaver ship looks like it's just like nothing but car exhaust at the back, or even jet exhaust. Maybe even be a better. I was say <laughs> like a car like not not a modern car though, like an old car that's that's misfiring and, and yeah. And, there's something wrong with it. It's you can you can hear the the, the sputtering of the engine. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's exactly like that. So they get swallowed up. Uh, a couple of good moments to mention here. Once they're inside the ship, um, it was a great joke where uh, Kaylee comes down and looks looks at Simon and goes, uh, "Are you okay?" I, I actually think this is after Simon punches Mal, uh, so I had to follow their you know anger. Uh, mm. but you know she comes out and says to, to Simon are you okay and Mal just goes is he okay <laughs> after Simon's punched them and they've just been through this chase which is really funny and that's when the one reaver who kind of came in with that part of the ship that kind of snapped off when the, the door was closing uh, you know sort of jumps up and like everyone fires into him like everyone shoots him it's like everyone like not a moment's hesitation let's say there's no hesitation it's just desperation just you stop that right now yeah uh, and what I love about uh, this moment here, again, the foreshadowing with River, she walks up and looks at him, and it's like she's read him, you know, she's reading him, and she says something that makes no sense in the scene itself, but does later on. She says, he wouldn't lie down, which is a wonderful little foreshadowing moment when you know what's coming later. Uh, yeah, and it's it's one of those moments that, even even if, you, if, if this is the first time you've seen this, but you have watched, you know, the Firefly, the show, mm-hmm. It just feels like, oh, okay, River's doing her thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're already starting to move into the we're teasing things that even fans of the show don't understand yet that we're, we're kind of getting to. Yeah. Uh, there's a great cap at this scene, though, because obviously after she says that, it's a really somber moment because they've had this fear of the Reaver, then she says this weird, ominous line, and then it just cuts to the cockpit. Sorry, the bridge. Uh, <laughs> Finally, it took all season, but I got there. Cuts to the bridge, and Wash is just sitting there looking up going, Hello? Is everyone okay? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, do, you, do you know if I have a complaint? Not enough dinosaurs in, in the, the wash scenes. They're, they are there, though. I lo- they're there the whole time, which I love. He, he's just not playing with them. Yeah. Uh, but it's that attention to detail. Yeah, no, that, that's what I'm talking about when, when they... Uh, okay, you know when I said, oh, it's the same sets. Not physically, but they rebuilt it. They redressed it the same way. Like, exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, down to the small things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the bridge may feel a little bit bigger than it did in the show, but that's about it. Maybe I don't even know if it does. It may just be the way it's shot, but like it feels a little bit bigger to me. But it's, it's uh, we're talking. I wonder, just... I wonder if that's like a trick of the aspect ratio, with it, you know, with it feeling wider naturally because of that. I wonder if that just makes makes you think it is. It may, it may do. It may do. But yeah, uh, so 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 so. so. Um, so Zoe has a scene with uh, Mal, a really interesting little scene that really sets up some of his character sort of 
beats in the movie uh where they're talking about like what just went wrong and all that and she says hey that that man that was trying to you know get on the get on the craft like we could have helped him and you know he's like hey like you know like shooting him was the right thing to do and she's like no 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 no, no i agree with that that was an act of mercy uh but like before that when he was trying to get on to the 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 ship like you know and he's like hey the the chariot won't run with five i, I think they call it a mule and that's what they were calling it um it won't run with five and he's like it may have done it's like do you want to take that chance? Do you think I should maybe, you know, th- throw the teenage girl off? And there's a, even in this scene, it's a really, like, you know, serious dialogue scene, but even then here's a little joke in the middle where he goes, do you want me to throw off you? Or Jane? Well, Jane. <laughs> this is a little moment. Se- definitely save him the most weight, too. That's true. He's the biggest dude. Yeah, it would save the yeah. most weight. Uh, but then Zoe's like, there was the, the hall, you know, the loot. The booty, <laughs> what do you want to call it? And, and I think this is like one of those rare moments where Mal is colder than you usually think of him as. Because like you say, mm. you know, heart of gold is what we often think of. But this is that moment where he's like, he, he doesn't even want to acknowledge it. He's just like, no, no we need that to live. We've got to eat and do that. And he's right. He's being very pragmatic, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a fair point where he, it was at the cost of a life. Yeah, but that tells me that maybe one, you know, maybe he was in the war. We didn't get to see a whole ton of it, you know, when we were, you know, in the show. We got the odd flashback, and uh, but like maybe he was more pragmatic, much like the operative when he was in the war and he had his cause. Maybe, you know, him, like him losing that, did make like help him find his humanity a little bit more. And um, it does weigh on him. You know, there's still several moments in this where he he does make the right call, where he sort of says, "Why have I done that? You know, why have I done this good thing?" Um, and that, that's a big part of his character. So that this really sets up where he is at the start of the movie. Yeah. Um, and that Zoe is kind of his confidant. And Zoe is the second in command and is kind of there to, you know, be the one who kind of like says, hey, maybe I, I can challenge you. Maybe the others can't. Maybe you'll shout at them, but you'll listen to me. Even if you don't agree with me, even if you ultimately disagree, you'll listen to what I have to say. It's kind of, you know, what you get from this scene. Yeah, she's she's probably the only one that's not afraid to be shouted at. Yeah. By, right? Yeah, uh, so I was just making sure I didn't accidentally stop the recording because I've done that before when the, the keyboard slams a little bit. So I was just double checking. It's fine. We're good. Uh, oh God. So yeah, uh, so really good little scene there, uh, and then another scene, uh, sort of giving us some exposition about the Reavers. Uh, although I think this one works quite well, even though it is just existing to give us the exposition, and it's uh, Jane and Kaylee uh, as he's like sort of getting rid of some of the debris that's on the on the ship, and he's. Uh, but they turn it into a joke though where he's like ah you know they say that the reavers like because what this is really setting up is the idea that it's a mystery that no one knows where they came from and no one knows how they they exist and he's like ah no one knows people some people say they saw the edge of space and that's they turned them mad but i saw the edge of space once and it just looked like more space (laughs) you know so it, it gives us something but gives us the joke as well and even here where he's saying, you know, they're sick, they kill everyone for no reason. I mean, I'll kill a man if it's in a fair fight, or if he stole something from me, or if there's a woman involved, or if he looked at me funny. Like, he just lists, he lists like, you know, every single part. It gets, it gets more mundane and, uh, and trivial as it goes on. Yeah, which is kind of a contrast, because if you've seen the show, you know, Mal's whole thing at the start of the show was, you know, if I ever shoot you, you'll be facing me, and you'll be armed. It's a very, like, honourable thing. And Jane's like, no, nah, if you look at me funny. <laughs> I mean, it's very true to what jade has been the entire time no it is it is you know again it gives you some of their character uh but this also introduces anara into the table because 
you know, Kaylee mentions, you know, he's going to drive them away, just like he did, you know, book, just like he did in Ara. And it, it transitions from that to, uh, I think, Mal watching some, like, footage of an Ara. Uh, could be, yeah. So uh, That sounds right. Uh, and, you know, and, you know, he's kind of watching it, he kind of turns it off, and it's, it's like footage that Kaylee's taken of an Ara when she was, like, leaving. And what's neat about this is this is something that we knew was coming on the show. We knew that she was about to leave, because that was that was mentioned and brought up. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's a nice little in-sync part of that. Uh, this is, is cool. this is one of those rare times where the time skip kind of works out nicely in mm-hmm. that, okay, we knew she was going, and she's gone, and it's- that's fine yeah and same with book i mean even though with book we never knew he was leaving in the show it doesn't feel unnatural that he did you know it feels it was fine kind of just tagging along anyway yeah. so yeah so that's, that's a really good uh good moment uh anyway so river and simon uh are talking um Oh, sorry, Kaylee and Simon are talking, and she's trying to give him advice. This is when they arrive on the planet, right? Because they've, ah, des- yes. they've decided they're going to leave everyone here, and you know, Kaylee, little Kaylee's like, don't you know, don't pay in advance, and always look the captain in the eye, so you know who you're dealing with, and like she really sounds upset, and basically, them ship ad- advice of which t- type of ship to go on. K- Kaylee's doing the thing here that was always very useful on Buffy with Willow, where if you have Kaylee be concerned or upset about something, the audience will care. Yeah, I think this is um, one of those things that only works if you've seen the show, unfortunately. That may be true. That may be true. But um, it, it, it works really well here and it works well later too. Um, yeah. Because there's a big moment coming that comes towards the end where it's actually Kaylee's reaction to it that hits me the hardest uh, mm-hmm. of any character. Um, but, you know, she gives me these advice and then River at the end, you know, because uh, Simon says, oh, I fear it's not safe here anymore. And, you know, he walks out a shot and then River just almost goes, it isn't safe for them. <laughs> Honestly. That's not terrifying. On paper, that sounds like a really cheesy line. I think she makes it work. I think the... I think it's the off-kilter delivery, not the traditional... Like that line yeah. is usually quite a sinister line, but this isn't delivered in a sinister way. It's it's really just off-kilter and yeah. like... She's, you know, in that strange delivery that she has. Yeah. Uh, so... Mal and Jane and Kaylee and Zoya have went, and even Wash actually, have went to this club to meet uh, Fan- Fante and Mingo, who are these twins that they're, they're dealing with, and that's what the loot was for. Uh, there's a couple of great lines from Kaylee here, actually. Um, I will never not remember the line, Twix my nethers, uh, as she puts it when she's talking about how nothing's twixed her nethers that doesn't run on batteries. And Mal's like, Kaylee, I can't be hearing this. And then Jane, like a creepy bastard behind her, is like, I could stand it here some more. <laughs> um, which is very, again, in line with his character, uh, worth mentioning. Um, also worth mentioning here, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I didn't take too much notes for this scene because ultimately it's sort of Mal having a deal, but we've seen him doing the show multiple times. But the big thing is that the river gets triggered. River comes into the place and there's like a, an anime looking ad for something. This is very heavily inspired by like Japanese and uh, Asian kind of like you know this is the sort of thing I, I expect to see in japan you know like screens playing ads like this yeah i get that and they are just like neon signs yeah 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 feels very much like that or even something obviously blade runner but even blade runner 
like you know, people people have said that shanghai which is obviously uh, not japan it's china but they've said that shanghai is if you want to see what a blade runner set looks like i mean shanghai's without the flying cars is pretty much there it's as close as you're gonna get yeah, yeah. and I mean, it's pretty fair to say Blade Runner was inspired by that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, every movie that's had a cyberpunk setting has been in some way inspired by Blade Runner. It just has. Uh, so, you know, and she she triggers and she starts wiping out everyone in here. I love the lack of sound as she goes around, punches and kicks people for the first little bit. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, it just has a great tone to it. The colour uh, of the screens, all different, you know, the, the, the colour temperature, it's all very blue and weird. And so it's, it's all great stuff um and it, it ends with this great standoff where mal's trying to get to his gun and he's looking through everything and he eventually gets it and obviously jane gets you know his balls grabbed at one point and you know jane gets the shit kicked out of him by river and it ends with a standoff with mal and river uh kind of you know of our main character where like, are they going to actually have to fight and then it's just at that moment that simon comes in and uh turns it off uh after this though we see the opera of like watching like this footage and also watching the mugshot of like mal and sort of seeing who he is and this is actually the, the one moment in the movie where you can, if you read it which not everyone will take time to but it's there if you're looking for it it says you know he he fought in the battle of serenity valley like it, you know that stuff that information is in the movie oh, it, all that exposition's there yeah so it's, it's obviously something that everyone needs to learn but it is there if you want to look for I've it i've never bothered really giving it more than a cursory glance yeah um but so yeah there's all these little things there uh, again that's more for people who actually watch the show though who are looking for those details to geek out about but it's yeah. there you know it's consistent which is cool um one of my favorite jokes in the movie actually is in the following scene where everyone's in the in the kitchen the dining area and they're talking about what just happened with river because obviously after the knockout uh river you know mal picks her up and takes her to, you know to bring them back to the ship and they were going to leave and you know, even during the scene, I'm thinking, like, you know, he makes that choice, and, you know, Jane questions it, he's like, why are they even back on the ship? They were supposed to be leaving, and I think someone says, oh, we couldn't leave them after that. I think it's maybe Kaylee who says that, and it's not until later where Mal properly actually sort of questions it himself when he's talking to Book, but it is kind of this, like, no, he made a choice here to, you know, try and protect her. It's one of the things we talked about during the show, where whatever happened to River, it's kind of like, you get the sense that Mal, even if he's not consciously making the choices about it, he does in some deep, you know, some subconscious level kind of get the sense that you know, part of the reason why he was so devout in fighting the Alliance is the kind of thing that they're doing and what's happened to Rivers, the kind of thing that he would actively be trying to stop. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah. And it, and it was, he got very protective over over the course of the whole show. Yeah. Um, so it, it, this isn't surprising. It, this was, sure, they were going to leave the ship anyway, but it was a moment of crisis and he just reacted. But yeah, my favorite joke here that I was getting to though is when uh, he's exp- you know Simon's explaining that you know there was a safety word that would sort of switch her off, um, and he-, he goes to say it and Jane just stands up and goes, "Don't say it!" And Zoe's like, "It only works on her, Jane." No, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> I love this joke so much. It's. It's a it's a mid tier Jane joke, I think overall. Sure, Joe. Joe, that's made me think of actually. I I think actually, this is this is Drax pre Drax. This is like I, I wouldn't surprise me if James Gunn got some inspiration for for how Drax is. And not that he's exactly like Jane, but this joke here is a Drax joke. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. This is a Drax joke. Uh, that's yeah. Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. For anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> just in case. Um, so yeah. Let's be honest, though. Tons more people have seen that than they have this movie. Shut your face. 
So yeah, and the other thing I've got in my notes here is just against, I think it was Jane saying, why did you bring her back on? Like, really question it. And they've got her handcuffed right now. Um, and Mal even looks, you know, is really concerned. He's like, hey, when she wakes up, like, who's going to wake up? The, the girl or the weapon, right? You know, like, you know, who is it going to be? Um, yeah, and, and again, this is just because of, she she was triggered and, and it, it was scary i guess for them like okay we don't know yeah. what to expect and to be fair this again was something that was teased at in the show was the idea that she is really good at fighting and combat and that it could be scary you know kaylee was scared of her after witnessing a little bit of it and um, it was only uh, it was never done too much of in the show because it yeah. didn't get that far but it was yeah. just every so often like, there's there's a darker edge there yeah we were just getting to it in the show we we're just sort of really starting to tease it properly uh which is so it's cool that it kind of takes a sleep here and we, we get the next part of it and then they're like okay we have to figure out you know what happened so they go to a new character who i assume would have been introduced in the show at some Probably, point yeah but we get mr universe uh who's kind of this uh weird tech guru who like transmissions out throughout the galaxy uh and there's like a weird like joke here that he's got a robot wife that he's that he's got, and we get like footage of his wedding that he wants to share. Um, it's imp- I mean, I, I don't. I'm trying to really justify in my head why it's specifically this. Now, it does serve a plot purpose later on, uh, having yeah. like a robot who can like repeat what he said. So that part is obviously there for that. Uh, I, I've I've often tried to think as to, to why this joke about him having a robot wife is why you know specifically why it's that you know why Joss Whedon picked that as the joke. Is it just a joke or is there something to read into here with this? I'm not sure. It's probably just a joke. It's probably just a joke. But I mean, also I have a suspicion this inspired Krieger in Archer. Uh, anyone who's seen that show and 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 Krieger's mm. anime waifu. Uh, we'll we'll kind of get where that's going. <laughs> waifu. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it's a thing. <clears throat> oh, I know it's a thing. I've I've, I've heard of the term yeah, waifu before, but, but in that show, it's mm. like, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, and why, of course, the key things that he says uh, here is that you can't stop the signal, uh, which is what kind of one of the movie's mottos, which it kind of fits into the whole mantra of the meta nar- narrative around the, the movie is that. We, you couldn't kill Firefly quite dead. Like, you know, we still got this. Like, we still were able to continue the story in some fashion. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and people still get to care about it. Uh, but, of course, he looks into the code and finds that she was intentionally triggered with subliminal messaging. And, you know, someone put this... But they also, like... You know, he says that someone's already looked at it, which we saw. We saw the operative looking at it. So that just kind of links up nicely to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sets up the idea that whatever's happening here, this is super secretive. They do not want, like, the public or even just the the regular, like, cops and stuff to know that they're looking for, like, this. This is top secret, what's going yeah, on. which, again, is a, is a level of threat, right? Because mm. why else would they be doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, no, and, and I think it is effective here because uh, it, it does just it, it ramps up as to okay, this is conspiracy levels. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone loves a conspiracy. Uh, the scene ends with him saying, "Do you know what it is you're carrying?" Because because it, it's like a really ominous thing, which again I think was in the trailer where he goes like, "The Alliance have went to great trouble to track down that girl. Do you know what it is you're carrying?" That's how it ends, and it actually transitions to River from that. Uh, which is again just a neat transition of like she's the topic of conversation then it goes to her simple stuff um and this is a uh, simon talking to her she wakes up and just checking her on her giving her something and to calm her down and so on and so on uh <laughs> i was talking earlier about how she has some great faces in this i love this and i i use this gif many a time uh 
because she talks about Miranda, right? Uh, and I think this is one of the other scenes where before she wakes up, there's like a quick flash of you know stuff from later uh, of of the memories she's got that she can't really you know make sense of yet. And she mentions Miranda, and Simon goes, "Who's Miranda? Am I talking to Miranda now?" And she just gives him this, like, "Shut up, you idiot!" face. It's just so good. Yeah, it is good. It's like, don't be ridiculous, Simon. <laughs> oh i love it i love it uh but she says a great thing here she says this memory isn't mine i like that line a lot uh yeah which is again okay we we knew that she was in a room with these psychics Mm -hmm. no she was she was in a room with the 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 high-ranking people and she is psychic so which who who's it come from specifically i guess not that it really matters but you're definitely questioning yeah, well, the the impression I always got is that it's not necessarily that one of them has all the exact like feelings she's feeling. It's more that like them knowing all the details of this and having seen some of the images, like because she's got more of a conscience, she actually taps into like what it must, the horror of it, and what what the people there must have felt, and that's why it's so terrifying and scary. Because the mm-hmm. people who did this, who she got this memory from, I don't, they don't strike me. Not that we've ever seen them, but. It doesn't strike me that they're like you know so guilty about this and uh, like. No, I think that's her interpretation yeah. of of that for sure. Um, the 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 guilt at least. Um, I mean, it's possible that the the person whose memory it is did have that layer of guilt, but managed to just kind of deal with it. You know, in the, in the way you know people do when they do. You know, if you do something small that you're you're guilty about, you feel guilty at first, and then you yeah. get over it. I mean, it's entirely possible that these are these like the powers that be to use a, a, a term from another reading show. Uh, like it's entirely possible that we could have seen them later in this this the show, and maybe we delve into like you know, is the are they completely evil, or is part of the or is part of the reason why they're so desperate to keep this a secret guilt, or is it purely because they know everyone would hate them for it? You know, like what is the 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 balance yeah, there? It, it, basically, is it guilt or shame? Yeah. Or is it just tactical? Is it just a, a political tactical move? Oh, they can't know this because <laughs> they'll we'll lose power. We'll yeah, lose, yeah we'll lose control. Uh, great, I was in there. A couple of quick things here. Uh, the operative, uh, we see him arrive in a planet where Anara is, uh, which we, which we, we there's like a loose reference. Joe, you know, I don't think it actually ever says in the movie that she's what she is exactly. Does it not? There's like some like she, at one point, you know, Mal says, "Oh, go back to training your girls." Um, Maybe the word companions used, but I don't think it's ever made clear in the movie. If you've not seen the show, I don't think it's made clear in the movie that she's uh, essentially a prostitute. I don't think so it actually. What you're saying is Mal never calls her a whore. He no, no, he never does. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, the, 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 I mean, the, the only the closest it gets is Mal says that she's trained in telling a man what to hear what he wants. But even that's not really enough, I think, to leap to, you know. No, it's not. I... That is interesting. I wonder if someone who'd watched this. Without the you know the show would have got and, that, or if there's enough just a little implications that you do. And for the record, I don't think this was like checking it out and not wanting to put that in the movie. I think it's just because it's not important to make the movie work, so it's just too much. They didn't want to like also throw that into like this is more a process. Like it's no, we don't need to. No, it's it's one of things I didn't even notice that they didn't kind of yeah reference it just because I I know right. So it yeah. was it, every it, time you see her, it's just in your head of who and what she is. If it felt like they were trying to avoid it, even though they should have brought it up, I'd be like, okay, are they scared to put this in a movie? Which is which is weird that it's fine on TV, but not in a movie. But it's not that. It's just, it's, it'd be one thing to make. Because it, it's a big concept, the idea that, you no, know, prostitutes are, like, highly, you know, trained professionals in this world. 
yeah. that, that's a big concept to get across and if it's not necessary for the plot of this movie don't do it yeah don't do it you know it's just it's too much so uh, so it's just establishing that he's there. Uh, it's the first time we see her in the movie, and but oh, aside from the video footage, of course, uh, and that's how we know who it is. If you've you know not you know not seen the show, uh, that's when. So they they go to uh, Haven, which is where Book is, uh, to his like little sort of community uh, to hide out to sort of until things calm down. Um, and you know we see that they've been here before. You know the way Jane kind of like greets some people. Everyone can is kind of happy to you know see these locals again. Uh, very calm and peaceful place. Uh, but the big thing here is the conversation between Mal and Book. And I think this is where we have to talk about what Book was going to be in the show had it been revealed. And I get why Ween just said, you know what, there's there's not enough time to get, get into this. So th- yeah. they just have Book say, you know what, you know, I know a lot about this world. You know, Mal says, you know a lot about this world, like all these rules. Because he's the one who says, this is an operative. What's after you right now is an operative. So the fact that we have learned since then, just from, you know, interviews and stuff that book was an operative that's what he was and i like that for two reasons one it you know it makes sense why he knows as much as he does and why if you remember that episode in the show where they just looked at his clearance and said no we have to give him medical treatment now like do whatever he says yeah, yeah. um it makes sense get ties up with what the operative did at the start of the movie and how he had clearance immediately um but the other thing i love about it is that it also makes him thematically linked to mal and the operative himself in this movie because he gave up what he was like he 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 turned his path you know when we met him at the start of the show he had given up whatever whoever he was before he decided that he couldn't be that anymore and he was searching for a new purpose which is kind of what mal is as a character it's, it's thematically it's basically saying this is a version of what mal's going through that did it more gracefully and has accepted you know his new path and isn't resisting it every step of the way right that's kind of what he is um yeah not the exact same, of course, but I think I think it's interesting. I do. I think it's really interesting. You know how, like, when people give up smoking, for example, mm. they'll like often do something. Like, they'll replace the habit with something. Often, like chewing gum, right? Um, and not even like the nicotine gum, just just to keep their their, their mouth busy. You know, it, it 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 just distracts from it. I think it's interesting that you know, we we see this operative in this movie. You know, the the blind faith he has, and then you know, a book turned away presumably from being something like that and just threw all of his faith into a different religion essentially just something else entirely yeah i mean obviously i never felt this in the 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 movie when i first saw it but if you're asking me what i like not you know wish that i'd got to see in more of the show like what happened to book that changed his mind that made you know made him lose his faith in in his job and what he was before and made him want to you know go a different path was it a, a really gradual process? Was there a, a t- you know, a tipping point where there, there was a moment that he snapped? Yeah, because because Mal had a moment, of course, at the Battle of Serenity Valley. The opera was going to have a moment, you know, towards the end of the movie. Like, did he have a big moment like that, or did he have something else? But I'd be fascinated to see what that was, and I I, I think it adds so much layer to who he is as a character to say, no, he was one of these. Like, he was this bad. Like, you know, because in in the show he would constantly like, you know, he, okay, he'd help them in battles by like shooting like legs and stuff like that. But that was as far as he was willing to go. Like, he made a vow to not be anything, you know, worse than that. Um, yeah. and I I think it's interesting. You know, he was as bad as this operative guy once upon a time. He's atoning for past sins, which is also a theme of the Joss Whedon's dealt with before. I mean, the character of Angel and you know redemption. Yeah. You know that is a big part, and it, it does make him a little bit different from from Mal. So it's not the exact same thing. So it's, it's not just the same thing again, right? There's a more of a redemptive aspect to it, but uh, it's kind of interesting. I think it adds a lot of layers to their relationship. Um, oh, absolutely! I think it is interesting that you know he did find something 
it feels fairly quickly because it feels mm-hmm. like he's been you know, a shepherd for a while. Like he threw himself into that faith. Whereas Mal, even now, you know, he he has serenity. Don't get me wrong. You know, he he has that, but I don't think he ever quite got to finding his his purpose. He well, still feels wondering. Yeah, that's what the movie's about. It's about him coming to hell. It's what book says to him here. You know, he's, uh, you know, he says, you know, I can't remember what the lane sets up, but you know, Mal says, "Oh, that's a long wait for a ship that don't come," and book replies why do you why, why whenever i talk about faith do you assume that i'm talking about god right and he sort of reiterates this later in a much better way but like this idea that no no it, this is just about mal believing in something about believing in something that he's willing to fight for and it's because this is when he says to him he's like you know i could have left her i could have left river there i had an out we could have like you know you know got away and no one would ever chase us for it and they'd be abandoned but i couldn't do it and book says it's not your way he's like i've got away like and it's like it's it's that I love the idea that the book always recognised that Mal that no he there is something in there like he is this this man of honour or this there's something in there that's worth nurturing and try to motivate him to to be absolutely and and I suspect as well this is partially you know but was as bad as he was and it's well if he, if he knew he could change why not mm. anyone else right. Yeah, um, so it's kind of that hope in people, I guess. And given that the operatives like do really nasty shit, like I'm a, book, you know, Mal's not that bad, you know, comparatively speaking. Uh, yeah, he may know. have sacrificed a dude at the start of this so he could keep his money, but in comparison, in comparison with the operative, does it's nothing. Uh, no, exactly. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's you know, it's I think it's a fascinating conversation to have and. Um, I love that we got to find that out, even if it was never in the story itself, because even just thinking about it during this scene, it adds so much to this scene. I love this scene even more than I ever did, knowing that he was an operative. Uh, I think it's wonderful. So, uh, Great, great stuff. Um, And it makes sense, given that there was like, you know, five, seven seasons planned, that there was other stuff that we never got to, but like, are are baked in there and they don't feel like they're forced in. They don't feel like some sort of fan fiction add-on. It feels like, no, if you look, the signs are there. Right, the stuff. Oh is... yeah, no, we, we we had ideas, and yeah. and this is the sort of stuff that maybe if we'd got more movies that we'd have explored. Exactly, yeah. Like the fact that Anara had cancer the whole time and was dying. Like you know, that's never brought up because what's the point of bringing that up in this movie? It would serve no purpose, all and to bum us out. And Anara has functionally no purpose to this movie, really, either. Just other than just to give Matt a little little kick in the ass. Yeah, she represents a part of his humanity. It's it's one of those things. I'd have to really stop and think about it. But one of the things on Buffy that was so good up the right of that show, especially early on, is that all the other main characters all represented a part of Buffy. Xander yeah. was the heart, and uh, Angel was the sort of the lust and all that stuff, and like all, all these different things. And you know, Willow was the how would you call Willow? I mean, she definitely represented. I don't want to say the soul, but like. You know, she she represented the excuse, and then Cordelia represented her past self. You know who she was before she was a slayer. Who, the sort of the the typical teen snarky girl she wants to be but can't yeah. be, right? Uh, and I think you know when you look at the cast, uh, you know the fact that book does tie in so heavily thematically to what Mal's story arc is. Like I think you probably can look at some of these other characters and and recognize maybe p- small parts of them in there that are relevant mm-hmm. to what your story is. Well, it's possible here, yeah. uh, and. And and when I say Inara serves very little purpose in this movie, I don't really mean that as a as a negative thing because it's kind of like you know, when we look at a, you know an episode of of the show, not every character is relevant every episode, right? Yeah, oh, and, absolutely. And yeah, this this one Inara's 
movie, but oh, that, it's the sort of thing where, okay, had we got the next movie, maybe that's when we'd have dealt with some of those things. Yeah, I mean, this is Marlon Rivers' movie. It had to be. There was no other yeah. like, characters it could really focus on. Everyone else is there to support them. And that's fine. That's cool. Uh, uh, so, no, good, great stuff here. Great stuff. Uh, so... Da, 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 da. Right. Uh, next up, River has a nightmare. Uh, Miranda stuff uh, and so on. Uh, not much to really say about it, just other than, you know, more teases for that. Uh, yeah. Really hunting stuff. Um, so Anara calls Mal, and this is one of those things that I think works well enough for new people, but is, like, really funny if you've seen the show and you know what they're like with each other. Uh, where, you know, she calls him and he's got his hairs all sticking. I love that his hairs all sticking up because he's just out of bed and he's kind of like, oh, no, it's perfect time to call me. Um, what's up? And they're so polite to each other. And I love that it cuts to like just like Wash and Zoe watching and Kaylee's watching. And then eventually Jane walks in and he's got like a bag of snacks and he's eating snacks as he's watching. Um, and basically she's like, hey, there's some work here. And this is this is very similar to say like, and Heart of Gold and Firefly, where they got a job, you know, based on knowing someone there. And she's like, oh, there's some, jo- there's some job here we can pay. Uh, and, you know, I, I loved the, the cut back to the others when he says, oh, you know, Kaylee's been missing you something fierce. And they all go, ah, oh, because they all know that he's too scared to say that he's missed her. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's good stuff. It sets up what the relationship, the will they won't of it is. It gives you the fun aspect of it. But the payoff, though, is afterwards when he walks in and the, everyone except Kaylee, the Kaylee's just sort of like, like Mal, you doofish, things could work out between you two crazy kids. But immediately, like, so he's like, oh, it's a trap there. And he's like, yeah, it's a trap. He's like, well, maybe we shouldn't go in there. Maybe we and then they start talking about what it should do. And eventually they come, you know, Mal says, no, no, we know it's going to be a trap. So we can go in. we have to go and find out what's going on and see if an hour's okay, blah, blah, blah. And then Kaylee's like, but guys, like, did I miss something? Like, why, 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 why couldn't she just want to see you? And he just looks like, goes, so y'all were watching and she's like yeah did we fight no trap and then just that's where it cuts i love it yeah <laughs> i love it it's it's one that just pays off so much if you know them because they did always fight it's actually like the, the scene in the phone call is so like like civil atypical yeah yeah it's so civil and i'm like this doesn't feel like Nala, mal and anara and then afterwards you're like oh this is why it all makes sense and well to be fair it doesn't feel weird in this, even the first time it didn't feel weird because we know that the opera was already there we know that she's under duress yeah so, so we works. know why she's being civil yeah. um but it's, it's the fact that that you know mal picks up on it pretty quickly and yeah. goes along with it good stuff Good stuff. And then, so, Mal's going on his own in the shuttle, and I love that they have the shuttles involved in some way as well, just to sort of use those uh, from the show. But he says, you know, if something happens, if, if I'm not back in 10 minutes, you come and you rescue me. You know, it's a little play in the, the classic, you know, line. And so he's like, what? And risk my ship? Because <laughs> she's the second in command. They'll be her ship. Yep. Good stuff. Um, so... Yeah, so he gets in there, he's, he's all dressed up, and I was like, I didn't think he'd actually come, you idiot. You know, and this is what's beautiful about this, is that we just heard that they knew something was up because they didn't fight, and the second that he's there in person with no one watching, she's like, you idiot! <laughs> I didn't think he'd actually come. <laughs> they can't help it, can they? Oh, it just, they, they immediately are exactly who they're supposed to be. It's well, great. So you might need it rescuing. It's like, well, it was a trap. It's like, well, yeah, but still rescue yeah and it's obviously not long before the operative walks in and we get our kind of our first meeting of our main hero and our main villain bit of a standoff um obviously it's very problematic as we said and i love the moment where he says you can't make me hangry and an hour just goes oh try spending an hour with him <laughs> it's just one of those little sharp digs that just make it so good but this is the scene of course where he's trying to like say okay river means a lot to the alliance 
I don't have to harm your ship or your people. You're free to go. Just hand them over. Um, and I'm here to talk about this civilly, you know. Um, I am not armed. Uh, you know, I'm here to talk. And Mal just goes, oh, good, and just shoots him. And this is where I was talking about Mal shooting first. Um, I don't know if this is an intentional dig at the the, the, the re-edits of Star Wars, but it's hard to ignore it. It's hard not to chuckle at it and think, I get where you're coming from. I don't think it's intentional dig. I think it's more just... The, just playing true to Mal. Yeah, okay. As as he's been written... Because he's consistently been written as, like you say, Han Solo, but with that edge where he will shoot first. You know, b- you know before that change, before, like, well, maybe he can be okay. Yeah. Um, and I think this is just, you know, a continuation of being true to that. Um, I mean, sure, it plays as a dig if you want to read it that way, but I don't think that was the core intention. Yeah, although uh, I do remember this from the comments as well. Jospin did say that he's been it's been pointed out to him that the big line that Mal has at the end of the, of the pilot serenity, where he says, "If you know, if I if I ever shoot you, you'll be facing me and you'll be armed." And there's three times in this movie where he shoots someone that's either not armed <laughs> or not facing him. <laughs> and, Mal's full of bluster and he lies. What do you want me to tell you? Yeah, he's still a scoundrel. Let's not. <laughs> he's he's less honourable than he wants to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all kind of justifiable. And they're, they're always like people that you don't mind that you're shooting that. It's, it's, no, no, but yeah. I think he, he thinks he's a real man of honor. And, you know, he, yeah. you know, he'll play by the rules no matter what. As soon as he gets into the moment, he'll yeah. do whatever he has to do. Yeah. But of course, the opera was like, oh, but I am wearing body armor. I'm not an idiot. And then the opera proceeds to beat the everlasting piss out of Mal. Uh, to set up that the villain is stronger than their hero is. Uh, it's only because Anara set up a trap with some flashbangs and her incense. Um, that they were able to get away, so they did do, uh, and, and they rush off, and they actually pull a little trick here that we've seen them doing the show, where the because uh, because actually the scene even opens with, uh, he's like, hey, I've I've got your ship, we're tracking this particular transponder, and Mal pulls out like a little bit of tech, he's like, what well, you mean this? And throws at him. He's like, oh, very good. And when they're leaving, he's like, okay, don't track this because they don't have that. Track this other thing. He's like, okay, we found seven of them. And we see all these like barrels or whatever. It was a barrel on Firefly. It may not be barrels in this, but they send out little like dummy uh, signals so they don't know who they are. It's good stuff. Uh, But yeah, so Anara's with them and she's like, no, this guy's serious. He's, you know, he's he's big bad. Yada, yada. Um, And things get kind of dark at this point. Hmm. You know, they're kind of dark, uh, but uh, do do So there's actually, but before we get to the really dark part, there's a, there's an argument here. Um, Joe, you know, Jane's not an important character in this movie in the sense that he's not got like an arc. I mean, he's got a little bit of an arc. But he's, he's ninety. Well, no, he's eighty percent comic relief, twenty percent action. Yeah, uh, but the action does serve a purpose because, like we said earlier, like showing him be scared of the Reavers is a good plot device because it, it sets up how bad the Reavers are. And there's a couple of things like that later on with him where because he agrees with something or because he feels a certain way about something, it informs how we feel about it because it tells us like, okay, the big scary guy or the big tough guy's you know scared of this or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. He's used like that quite a lot in this. He was just like a lot in the show as well, to be fair. Uh, but one of my favorite jokes from Jane, again, he's got a lot of good ones in this, uh, is when they're arguing about why River and that are on the ship because after they hear about this from Anara and they're, they're all sitting about in that, uh, the little like, couch area outside the med bay. Mm. And uh, like... Jane's getting really angry with everyone and he's really pissed that they're still on the ship. And Mal yells out, You want to run this ship? And Jane just shouts out, Yeah. And there's an awkward pause. He's like, Well, 
you can <laughs> i love that exchange but then he brings up the war and this is much better than the guy at the start who's like oh the brown coats eh? fought in the war you know i mean it's hard not to be yeah but i but that, that okay it's not just better than that it's great it's a great exposition moment of like what this war was and what the war means to mal because he's like hey how many people you know died in your you know platoon mal during the war and you know and again it kind of gives you that that bond between zoe and mal because zoe's the one that says you have to walk out of this room right now so it's, it's a really good well done moment and it really you know mal's demeanor changes the second that he brings this up like this is a this is a no-no of a subject and they bring up battle of serenity valley uh so if you didn't see it on the screen earlier you know, Jane does bring it up, and he, but he does it in like a sort of like mocking way, so it doesn't feel forced. It feels like he's really trying to rub it in. Uh, yeah, he's 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 annoyed, right? He's yeah. he's pretty angry, and he is throwing stuff back in his face, and it's stuff that that works because for us, it's okay. It's these cuts and references and digs, and it has weight to it because when you're angry, you tend to bring up things that matter. But one of the great things here about the end of this is um, Mal does have a great line where he says if i start fighting a war i guarantee you'll see something new you know because because what one of them maybe it's jamie's one of the other ones but they sort of imply that oh they've seen everything what you what it means when you do this and that is like if i start fighting a war i guarantee you'll see something new and i think what's great about that is that we do get to see that as it's a foreshadowing of act three right it's because mm. he's going to make a pretty big decision soon and it's going to like really be a big dark thing um well, that's the thing really only zoe has seen him in a war and that's why zoe has a a completely different dynamic with him to, to anyone else because i think she knows what he is actually capable of in in that scenario yeah it's actually as he's walking out of the room where because simon's there because he was part of this argument too uh where simon's like oh if, if we have to get off this ship and wash says look no one's saying that they want you off this ship okay no one besides jane is saying that <laughs> yeah. just a little joke in the background uh but an hour follows him out and tries to talk to him and what's actually great about this scene is this scene kind of like is mal for the first time really acknowledging that he has feelings for anara because he says uh you fog things up and you always do um because she says something you know uh, 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 sorry if me being here is you know hard for this or or you should distracting or yeah distracting or you know you you should be like helping and he's like no no you fog things up you always do and i think the reason why she does fog things up, it's not just that he's you know got feelings for her and that's that's, a, that's just a natural distraction i think it's because he's kind of like a a reminder of his moral compass right where the idea of doing something too dark for an era means that he's he's stepping outside of what he should really be doing is is a good person it's it's stepping outside of what he should be doing but it's Maybe that that's the thing that he does need to do to to win. Yes, on, on you know if he's fighting a war, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that that's why as you know that's why as he says, folks things up. Uh, yeah. So this is where we get to the 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 big dream that uh, River has. She kind of wakes up. She, she Jane tries to like take her out <laughs> or something. Uh, uh, we they hear a gun go off, and I I do love the little sort of running around trying to get to her, and she's sort of like closing off doors. Is there, I'll call it the Halloween H2O moment where she looks through the, the window when Simon's looking through the window into the kitchen and she just kind of pops out at him. <laughs> it's just a little scare. And they go to the bridge and there's a great moment as well where like Mal's sneaking up behind her. She's like looking on the computer for something and she doesn't even look around at him. She just puts her hand up with a gun and just points at him. Uh, it's pretty cool. But basically she just wanted to look for Miranda, right? Which they're all on the, on the bridge and they're looking at it and like hey she's looking for this it's a planet 
And I do love there's a line here from I, th- I think it's Kaylee who says, "I'd never heard. How is it there's a planet that not, that, that exists, a whole planet that we've not heard about?" Because I think that's really important for us. Because as the audience, even as someone who's watched Firefly, we don't know the name of all the planets. This may not. We don't know that this is like. So that this clearly establishes to the audience that all the known planets that everyone inhabits are known to everyone, right? At least for the most part, right? There's, there's a there's a finite amount of them. Like, uh, yeah, okay, it's not that they're all planets; it's inhabited planets. I think I think you yeah. do, you kind of hit on that there. And it's okay. There's there's enough of them that we can always visit new ones on the show. Yeah, we've seen a handful. It always feels like we go to new places, but it's it makes it more like countries. Like, okay, yeah, I couldn't list every country right now. But if you say the name of pretty much any country, I'd be like, yep, heard of that one. Yeah, but, but the, the key thing there that makes this really work is that she says that, that none of us have known about. So she doesn't even say that she doesn't know. It's like, no, that out of like eight of us, none of us have heard of this place. Like, that's a bit far-fetched. So yeah. it really establishes like that it's weird that there's a, a planet of some kind that, you know, is in the known galaxy that, that is, you know, something's happened on that they don't know about. Mm. Um which obviously is relevant because it's been it's been covered up and no one knows, but right. But of course, immediately it's like, okay, can we go there and check this out? You know, can we, can we, you know, look at any of this? Um, uh, I actually, I, 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 there's, there's a moment here actually. Just I, even before we talk about the Miranda stuff, that uh, when Mal's talking to her on her own and he says, you know, I could have you know left you behind and I want to believe in you. Are, you know, are you the are you anything but a weapon? Um you know I, I love this idea that he's really trying to like look for that humanity like he, he he's he's begging to to give her to give him a reason to, yeah. to just go along with it yeah so we find out Mirage's secret planet and as soon as the, the question going there immediately zoe and uh, uh and wash who maybe know the space sector a little bit better than the rest of them do are like no 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 that's a bad idea we can't do that and they, they clearly say why all of this in here this territory that's Reaver territory. We can't go to that planet. That is a suicide run. Um, That's off limits. So, but they're on their way back to Haven at this point. And it's when they get to get to Haven that it's been attacked by the Alliance. The operative has sent a, an attack ship to just completely kill this place. Um, and the, the land is very morbid. There's like there's children lying around dead. Uh, they find Book, who did actually manage to shoot down this ship with like one cannon. Because uh, he was a badass operative. Because he's a badass operative, and he he has this line as he's dying. He's like, "Oh, that wasn't very Christian of me." Because he he kind of feels bad for it, but he acted out in this moment because of what this guy did, or what yeah. he was. I mean, presumably what he was trying to do when he was taking the shot. I imagine that book was a, uh, you know, f- sort of firing at him as he was still firing upon the town. Reasonable assumption. Yeah. Um. You know, this is one of these scenes where I I I love uh. The, the dialogue because it's, it's one of those things i remember one of the reviews that came out f- from this at, at the time in 2005 you know was generally quite positive but said oh it does have one cliched scene where someone you know has like dying words and the more i watch this movie the more i hate that complaint because i think even though it is kind of you know okay yes it's the dying words is you know someone's you know they say something important as they're dying yeah but everything he says here i love i can't i, I can't like um like you know I don't care what you believe in, just believe it is an important line. And even today, even watching it now for the however many times I've seen this, I tear up. There's a moment here that I always tear up at. It's when he says, you know, almost anguished because he's dying, says, I'm not a part of your crew. And Mal just, as he's grabbing his hand, says, yeah, you are. And it's just, 
Because we know what that means to Mal. We know what it means to Mal to say you're part of his crew. I always find it a little bit of a of a weird one, and I, I hate to, to to ruin you know this, this perfect moment that you've got. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, it always it always rings a little bit hollow because, especially in this movie where where he he kind of claims he didn't really consider Simon part of the crew, and I would say Simon was always much more part of the crew than Book. Book was never part of the crew. He was just he kind of just tagged along for the ride. Ah, oh, you you're looking at this in a weird way. On oh, right, the thing here is that. He's saying that to Simon, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's that it's true that he's not part of the crew, right? He's making kind of a threat because Simon's speaking out at him. Um, I get that. And the idea here with Book is that, yeah, he's he he never really was part of the crew. Like I I get the impression this is the first time Mel's ever said this to him, right? Mm-hmm. That he's making a point of saying it here because Book you know feels like he's separate. And Mel's saying, no, you're not. You were part of my crew. Don't be silly, old man. Like you do matter okay. to me. You matter to the people on that ship. You're part of this family. Um, so it's not it's not saying that, oh you're more part of the crew than Simon was or whatever like or you weren't like a functional like I, I think that's looking at too I don't know I think it just bothers me more because of the bit with Simon earlier to be honest I think without that I would have been kind of okay with it um, it always just rankles me though okay okay I, I love the moment and I like I say it's one of those things where on paper I can kind of almost see what you mean but every every and maybe it's the performances with a bit of the music but Every time he, because it's the way he says, "I'm not part of your crew." Like he sort of says it in disgust, like he's not important to Mal. For Mal to say, "No, you are." Yeah. Like, I don't know. It always hits me. Um, and this obviously is the big turning point that kind of like puts Mal into war mode, right? Like they've come after people he cares about. This is it. This is it. And there's a there's a great shot here, uh, where it's because we see shots of all of them sort of wandering through this now like wasteland of dead bodies and stuff. But there's a moment where Rivers like perfectly framed with a burning swing. Uh, mm, she's just got this border of shot. fire around her. It's just a beautiful moment because all of this is about her. Everything that's happening is because they want her back. Um, yeah. and she's like framed here in this fire. It's beautiful stuff. Um, and he actually the, the operative calls him. And they have this talk where Mal's like, hey, you know, I'm better than you. you. You killed children. And this is where he says, no, like, what I do is evil. I have no, you know, but th- th- this better world, this perfect world without sin that I'm building, it's not for me. I don't belong there any more than you belong there. You know, that's that's what he says. And uh, and the, the idea that Mal gets here is actually from the operative, because the last thing the operative says before he cuts off the call, he says, you know, Mal, you're a human. You're not a reaver. And it's actually that moment that Malk turns off the call. That essentially gives him the idea. Bit of a dumb idea. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a dumb idea, but it's it's like, you know, Book just said to him, you have to believe in something. And maybe it's just out of anger right now. You know, the, the true belief comes a little bit later, but, like, he needs to do something. He has to fight this war. He's just been brought into another war. Uh, and he comes out and says, no, we're going to get dead bodies, we're going to put them in front of the ship, we're going to paint the ship red. Uh, he says something about the engine core, you know, something that Reavers do. He's like, Kaylee, do this. And Probably that makes all the black smoke, to be honest. Probably, yeah. Uh, and what's, what's so good about this is that he, the camera kind of falls around doing this, mostly in one shot. And it, when it finally cuts, it cuts to Zoe, because she's the one who's kind of clocked what he's doing here. She understands him better than anyone else. And she steps yeah. in, and she says... And she doesn't even say what she's exactly what they're going to do she just says you mean to say you're going to deface our home that's how she phrases it our home uh so for new people who didn't get what serenity is to these people that's what it is it's home right yeah um and so we can pass through you know reaver territory to go on a suicide mission uh to find this 
and he's like yeah and he, he gets really stern with him he's like you know anyone who's not either taking their leave or helping i will shoot you you know he pulls out his pistol and he, sh- he shoots because the the pilot of the ship that, that killed this place starts crawling out of the debris of the the alliance ship and mal just walks up and shoots him you know uh yeah this is this is what you get for for being a scumbag right yeah uh so no i love i love it um and so we get the plan we get the plan uh and just a final little filmmaking touch here uh that i love is after he says this and he walks off with his pistol um the camera you know so most of the people are in the shot almost all the time as he's talking to them here right or at least some of them are and they're all kind of grouped together but as he walks off he sort of walks away from them and as he walks out of frame the camera just rests on river who is not with them he's she's separate she's on her own from the rest of the the, the crew uh, again, it just separates her as this separate entity of being the focus of what we're doing here. Um, it does. I think it really works because Mal's just kind of walked off on his own as well. So yeah. even though he is, you know, distinctly alone, it puts him on the same footing as River, right? As being the outsider and, and, and off on their own thing right now. So it kind of links them as, as apart from the rest of the crew, even though they're not physically together. But what's worth mentioning here, though, is that there's a small scene after this where he's on his own. He just he's, he goes into the, the, the ship. I think it's actually after the ship takes off, actually. We see we, we just cut to the ship kind of like going through the atmosphere and we see the skeletons mm-hmm. in the front. But after this happens, you know, Mal just kind of walks off into like a little side room of the, the main deck and he just kind of like sighs and puts his head against the, the wall. And it's like, no, he, th- 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 he isn't just this, like, this is taking effort to be this, this, version of himself it's not this easy task it's kind of like uh the 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 adrenaline come down right? yeah you know like in, in the immediate aftermath of of everything that had happened it was just right go and he knew exactly what he needed to do um but now now that it's done and that right okay we're on route now and and the 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 first part of that mission is accomplished you know it's it's the first chance to breathe and the weight the, actually kind of hits him and it's the, also now i think there's the, the time to doubt is like am i being a, am i being crazy is this the right thing to do and i think mm. it comes back again to the idea of just believing that whatever the alliance have done that they're trying to like cover up like maybe this is important and maybe he's not willing to admit that he still cares about that because he lost the war because all that went away but i think deep down that that, that inkling and his body's still there so they pass through the reavers a really tense sequence uh it is really tense they've got this great thing was this big bright light shining from what is this really long ship that kind of sort of runs alongside them there's like ships being torn apart in space in front of them really menacing but they get through they get through uh sure enough and they land on this planet and you know this is supposed to be an abandoned planet that has nothing on it but there's like cities like they land in a city and they mention that they've, they've traveled over other cities they come out with the spacesuits on this is where i mentioned we see the spacesuits from the show and they say hey like there's fine like and they, they take their helmets off and so they end up just walking around in their, their normal clothes and they're going through the city and like bit by bit we see like people like just who have died like skeletons uh but it's not like the vehicle around crashed they just stopped and then eventually, you know, like, there's a lot of moments here with River where it'll flash to, like, her seeing, like, things from, like, before they, it went bad. And, um, like, there's a great moment where I think it's uh, Kaylee up against the window and, like, Simon sees something behind her. He's like, hey, Kaylee, don't turn around. But she does. And it's, like, just people in this office building or whatever it is just all lying around and dead. And it's not like they, they were shot and, like, they, you know, there was an attack. They, they, it's they like just they, lay down. They all just went to sleep and just didn't wake up is, like, how it's described. And it's kind of weird and surreal. It's like, what's going on here? And like, you know, and it's kind of horrifying in a way of 
why would they do this? And, and it's that 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 core mystery of they're clearly all dead. Something's gone wrong. It's not like it's you don't feel like it's a plague because you know they're, they're just it's it's peaceful. Yeah, actually, one of the things I want to mention as well, um, just in the scene where Mal was sort of telling everyone the plan and getting really angry, it happened several times in the movie, but I think it was noticeable in that scene, is there's a shot looking down at him. It's like a high-angle shot looking down. I'm mentioning that because it's important for something that comes later, but um, uh, there's actually a shot looking down at River. It's not the same framing, though. It's just a wider shot looking down at River. And the reason why that shot's at, at that angle is because they decided to need this shot like way after they finish shooting so they're actually in like the car park of the like the studio <laughs> just doing this one shot looking down at her hide, hide as much of the surrounding as you can yeah because it's just ground yeah. <laughs> so uh just, just all you have to do is color time it a little bit and there you go matches the rest yeah. of it <laughs> get away with that nice one. yeah um so but no it's good stuff uh and you know river this camera's spinning around her at one point and she says i can hear them all they're saying nothing like and that's a really, that's a great line. It is, yeah. They're saying nothing, um, and that's what's so scary. And you know, Jane kind of says something, um, like like, he, like he's getting like angry, and like Mal or Zoe like like go in to like tell him to like shop and like stop being argumentative. And this is what I was talking about earlier, where they use Jane as a great plot device. Where he says, "No, I agree with her. She's right." something bad happened here so this is like he's agreeing with it he's agreeing with river the girl he kind of tried to maybe like kill earlier like out, mm. of, out of fear like he's agreeing with her the fact that they're united on this tells you something bad happened here that they're both in agreement yeah absolutely because it's just one of them well it's still bad uh like i think it, it you could get away with it being just river um because yeah. we know she has that intuition jane i think doesn't sell it as well on his own because he he can overreact. I, I, I think it's moments. I think it's the fact that Jane's almost sticking up for River in this scene. Almost, yeah. You know, it's, it's not quite that, but it's almost that. Where he's like, "No, she's right. We have to like yeah. take this seriously." And the the tone here is great. And it's at this point where like, uh, watch, like let's get to the beacon because there's like a beacon coming from the planet, which they that's why they went to this specific say. And they go into this building and they get to this little area. And Joe, what's funny actually is that Sarah Paulson plays the the, the doctor who's on this hologram recording. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, she, that's an actor who I just sort of started noticing popping up in movies like two years ago, and she always looked familiar, <laughs> and I didn't know why. <laughs> and then you watch this again, you're like, oh. And this was a long time ago, comparatively speaking, because you know, like people, most people know from American Horror Story. I never really watched any of that, so I didn't. You know, yeah, me either. Uh, but you know, she was in like Bird Box, and then she was in like another horror movie, like right after that. Uh, and then you know, I started seeing her pop up a lot more, like just really quickly. Uh, yeah. But you know, she's got this really small role in Serenity. Uh, but it's this recording, and this this woman explains that the like everyone here just lay down and died, and they think it's what they did to them. They 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 put a PAX into the atmosphere, processes into the terraforming stuff. Uh, basically it was designed to make people more docile and less uh, aggressive and basically make everyone nice and peaceful uh, and dare I say now she doesn't say this but I'm just going to add on here from the perspective of the higher ups more you know easily controllable perhaps you may, manageable uh, yeah you'd, you'd maybe throw into that um, and she explains that it worked too well they stopped doing everything you know they you know eventually they, they stopped you know going to work they stopped didn't care. yeah they just laid down and died um but she's kind of scared, and you hear like a noise off to the side, like someone's trying to break into the room. And then she says, 
but like, like I think it was like 0.3% or 1.3% of the population or something low like that um, had the opposite reaction to the to the packs where their aggression spiked and I, I remember seeing this for the first time in theaters and as soon as she said the opposite reaction I went oh god I get this like yeah. I get it I get what the you secret is you get that is. singing feeling of immediately you know where this is going yeah um, and of course it has to because what else is the movie going to end with if, you yeah. know like and we we get to this idea that they created Reavers by accident, but they created them, and it's their dirty little secret that they they're they're, they're hiding, and that's why Miranda's never spoken about, and it's why they're desperate to get River back, and you know eventually they, they play it, they, they cut it off because they, they're just like they're all too disturbed to keep watching it, and River has a moment where she throws up, and Kara turns around and says I'm okay, and it's kind of it, it, it's, the music just tells you enough that it's like no no this is her saying that she's not as lost now in her head. Uh, she's kind of managed to process the the thoughts because now she understands it better because she knows she knows exactly what all these these memories it's, are. It's not fragmented horror. It's, yeah, it, there's a narrative to it now, and and once there's a narrative, you can compartmentalize and uh, at least understand it. So Miles, we see there's like a shot of Miles outside just in front of this building, and then it like we hear his speech begin, and it's when they're in the dining area of the ship, and the you know the lights like right above and behind them. So we've got this like these light shafts sort of poking past his shoulders and all that, very cinematic. And he makes this speech about how they tried to make people better, um, and how this is what they they feared she knew, and they were right to fear because everyone's going to know this. We have to tell everyone this. And this is this is the true point of the movie where he gets something to believe in, where, you know, if nothing else, I thoroughly believe what they did was wrong, and someone has to speak for these dead people because no one knows why they died or they're even dead or they even existed even potentially, and someone has to speak for them, and it's something for him to fight for again, and this is kind of what I spoke I spoke about earlier again with Jane and River. It happens again here where and i think i remember this from the commentary actually where you've seen this in other movies you've seen this in other just Whedon shows even as even i've seen in guardians of the galaxy that does this where you have the one by one they all agree to the the big dangerous mission right um sure. and he decided not to use it but what he does is the kind of the, the shortcut version where he has jane say the line uh shepherd book always said if you can't do something smart then do something right which is a good line in and of itself but then he passes his booze to Simon, who is the direct polar opposite. Now, admittedly, the movie itself doesn't necessarily set up that they have kind of like a, a not a rivalry, right. but like, you know, the, the show had them at opposite ends much more clearly, right? Yeah. Uh, but it passes it to Simon, and Simon says, do we have a plan and drink? So again, it's like, like before, because Simon and Jane agree that they have to do this. You just assume everyone else. Does. Yeah, everyone in between does. And he's like, yeah, we got a plan. Mr. Universe can broadcast this out. So it sets up what the just the simple goal is for the last act of the movie. And we get the I am to misbehave as he steps into the light. Beautiful stuff. And also, they ain't ever going to see this coming. You know, and obviously, we've cut back to the opera of occasionally, you know, sort of keeping track of things. And, and he's just kind of doing his job, getting on with it. Uh, and it's around this part of the movie where we see them. They get to Mr. Universe first. And... Uh, Mr. Universe is under duress again under under video call and gets killed and it feels kind of vicious because it feels like Operative made a deal with him. Yeah, it's it's the first time where the Operative feels like he's done something just for the sake of it. Like everything else he's done has had a purpose, right? I'm going to go and say it's because they have to cover it up. No one can know they've done this. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I think that may be what it is. It may, not just be, it may not be his personal choice. It may just be that's part of the order is that yeah no one can but everything know. before this it's really clear to see what the what the purpose of of everything he's done was right yeah as as horrific as 
as a lot of the actions are, you always understand exactly what this is accomplishing in his mission. It's not just violence for the sake of it. Yeah, in fact, one of my favorite lines from Mal's speech, actually, that I glossed over that I really want to mention is uh, he says, I'm asking more of you than I have before, maybe all. I love that for two reasons. One, the previous plan he had, he did not ask them to do it. He didn't ask for volunteers. He told them he'd do it or get off his ship or be shot, right? Hmm. This time... First, so first of all, he's asked. So first of all, it's the contrast between the two, right? He sees them more as equal and not as an angry, just sort of dictator. Uh, but more than that, he's inspiring them as a leader, as a soldier, as the leader of a of a of a you know of a not platoon, but like you know, like he's he's trying to inspire his crew, and he's saying that this is something I believe in and something that we have to care about. So you need to make this choice as well. You need to believe in it too, because this is the only way this works. Yeah, I think it's a difference where before it was it was uh, a, a moment born out of anger and rage mm-hmm. and, and just a reaction. Whereas this, well, well, of course, there's anger in, uh, at the the whole idea of what happened. It was a, a conscious choice to do something about it here rather than just a you know a revenge almost. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is about doing the right thing. This is not about revenge. Yeah, um, and I, I like the idea that you know like. We we are going to have a death, at least one, and others almost die. And I, I do like the idea that yeah, other people did die when he went into battle and and the the war and you know and the battle surrounded by you know a lot of them did die, but they did go in as a unit and believing in what they were doing. And he helped inspire them to do that. And that he has to become that again to an extent here with these these people where this misfit family. Because what, what one of the things that I think works about this so much is that the alliance kind of represent this unity. You know, not quite the fascists like dictatorship I mean, the alliance to me is more kind of like i guess more like modern day kind of like the one percent kind of in control it's kind of an extension of that you know in some way um mm. but they're all kind of uniform everything has to be like them you know it's everything has to be I do you know what? I, would, I would love to know more about them because we, we know there's a parliament which implies opposing sides that they're not all uniform right and even the name alliance implies okay these are different factions that are working together for a greater purpose as they see it well i wonder if that was just uh american china because we know that that's the two surviving cultures i wonder if that's what the alliance itself is it could be yeah it, yeah. it could be as simple as that um but uh, yeah just the idea that the the the, the there must be rival parties and factions within this if there is even a parliament otherwise why bother right <clears throat> yeah no i i get what you say it's one of those things where i'm sure the show would have delved into that more over time uh, oh yeah yeah and and I, again i'm not blaming this for i'm not going oh i should have been doing this i'm just it's something that i you know i, I wish we i could have got because it's that's it's something that just interests me yeah but so like i said i just i love that line whereas like, i'm asking you i'm not ordering you um because you have to believe in this and i think one of the great things about the crew on on the ship is that they are this bunch of misfits they're all completely different people who are come together on a, a common goal and it's kind of like celebrating that no to, to have like a way forward it can't be this idea of a uniform future where everyone's the same as each other it has to be this di- more diverse you know diverse in character diverse in background all these different things um so there's a really great message there uh in that sense so uh, but yeah, so we have this. So this planet that Mister Universe is on has this like uh, we we, we introduced that on the first time we see him, but it's like a it's like a a force field, a cloud of like electrical signals because of all the tech that's on the planet that's beaming all these stuff into space. Um, 
and the alliance with the operative are waiting there's this fleet of ships they're all waiting inside this cloud which is really that this cloud only exists so we can have the big reveal in a minute uh, not to us because we actually know what's about to happen as it's happening we kind of get the sense you know what they're doing I mean, it's it's the, the visual spectacle yeah. of it, right more than anything because what they do is on their way out of the reaver space they take a shot at a reaver ship <laughs> and just bolt it <laughs> come chase us bitch yeah and you know we have the opera of being kind of cocky because he says what the battle's not even changing course because you know serenity comes through the cloud first and then just a couple of seconds later it's just this fleet of reavers and it's the two armies like facing off and just little serenity in the middle uh which leads us of course to i'm a leaf in the wind watch how i soar as wash pilots his way weaving his way through all the, the carnage and destruction and getting down to the planet and you know the the sides of the ship you know get cut off at one point and it's spinning around and spiraling out of control and you know if there's much of an arc for jane it's that during all this chaos he's actually the one checking to make sure everyone else is strapped in you know he's mm-hmm. he's checking to make sure that river strapped in that kaylee's strapped in he's not just strapped himself in first which yeah. is what you would usually expect from him so it's not like a huge thing but it's just enough to show that now even he's worth surviving even he's yeah. worth making out of this uh and you know i i think the ending of serenity this this last whole chunk of it is just so well done where like you almost get to a point because they make a big character death here you know wash gets impaled after saying i'm leaving the wind again um and it's this really dark moment where the tone just shifts but that moment makes you convinced that man they, how many are they going to no, kill no off one's safe anyway. yeah and there's a lot of moments after this where it feels like people might be dying like you, you really feel it and they, they all run because the reavers are coming down and they're going to come through they get this little hallway and this little room before the elevator where they're going to make a last stand and it's like okay you hold till mal gets back mal's going to broadcast the thing everyone else is going to stay here and try and hold them off and we get you know we see it an hour's got like a, this weird crossbow thing and like even Kelly's got a gun, and it's like you know. And there's a lot. There's actually some really funny lines here. There's a moment where, obviously, Zoe, her husband has just died, and you know, like I said, the moment that hits me the hardest is when uh, Kelly realizes the wash isn't there. So, oh God, wash, wash, where's wash? And you know, Zoe just says he's not coming, and it hits Kelly, and it's like, oh, <laughs> like that. It's almost... I mean, it, it's it's worse because it hits her more than it visibly hit Zoe. Obviously, Zoe is, I'm sure devastated oh she's in soldier mode she's you know she's she's that that's it she's she just shut back into into that training she's gone back into it and just i'll worry about this later but, but it does take a minute because she when he first gets hit she's like baby baby and she's like you know she, she's not even thinking about anything else and she almost gets impaled herself and mal again almost as if he's gonna soldier mode first to like snap her out of it it's like no we have to go now he you know he dives yeah. for her and like no we have to go there's no point in you dying too uh but there's a, a great moment here where uh they're all prepping uh and if i even just at that moment with kaylee as well i love that everyone goes silent for a second you know it's like because because that's when that's when it's, like a, it's, like it's an awkward silence yeah, as well isn't it because that's when anara and simon like here for the first time as well it's not like you know because up until this point mal's the only one who really knows what's happened so far and like everyone else yeah. just kind of hears it there but uh, there's a funny moment where Jane's talking about the, the tactics and so you know, if we want to make it out of this we have to do this and as Zoe's loading her gun really pessimistic after what's just happened to her husband goes do you really think Ev is going to make it out of this and the camera looks over at the others who are not typical fighters right these are all people who don't typically fight mm-hmm. uh, you know and it goes over to Jane and he goes well I might 
Great line. Also, funny, just funny little beat here, just in case you you have to root for Kaylee and Simon still. Where Simon admits, "Hey, like, my one regret in all this is that I was so focused on River, I never got to like think about you know having something for myself, never being with you." And she's like, "Like sex?" He's like, "Well, yeah, that's what I mean." And she's like, "Hell with this!" Cocks the gun. I'm going to live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just funny it's little beats. Uh, no, it's a funny. One. I actually think like those was a couple of ones I would have just removed from the movie in general. Um, the the uh, the the Simon and Kaylee stuff at all. Um, I feel like it just it, it's it's okay. Sure, it's it's a funny little beat there, but it feels so in context of this movie, so underutilized, underdeveloped. There's just so little of it. There's that one little bit at the start, and then there's this that I just kind of remove it. It feels almost a little, like a little distraction to me. No, that that's one for me that like. <sighs> That's one that's not for the movie. That's one for fans of the show, right? That's not for the movie on its own. That is for the people who watch Firefly. And I think this one, because they were such a teased couple in the show, uh, and that it can be... Because, I mean, it, it does serve a purpose here, but it's one that I think just seeing them have their happy ending is a big deal to people who watch the show. But the other thing here in this scene is that I think this adds a lot to caring about these two surviving. Because even though Simon's connected to River and River's a big part of the, the plot of the movie, he's kind of just there for River throughout the rest of it. He's not really, like, rooting for it on yeah. his own, if that makes sense. And I think this little moment's just a little little thing to make you care about both of them so that when bad stuff starts happening, uh, like, it just, it works. It makes sense and you, you, you kind of feel it in, in, the, in the fight. Um is that enough for new people? I don't know. But like, certainly I think it's a, just a nice little reminder here of all the characters we care about before we go into this final battle. I get where you're coming from. I think for me, it just kind of falls a little bit flat. Um, like, t- to me, I think it's just... Uh, yeah, okay, so time's passed. It's, it's been a couple of years, and this is still, okay, where we are. I don't know uh, it's, just Not a couple of years. Uh, what, a year then, maybe? It's, it's more like six months. Six months? Okay, fair yeah. enough. It always felt like a bit longer than that to me, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, but it more just the idea of okay, I don't need a happy ending for everything. Like okay, I, you know, I, I get where you're coming from. Oh, if you're fans of the show, it's a tease couple. Let's, let's give them that for them. And I'm, like, I'm okay if it's just we, we, we missed the boat on this one. I think it's so unobtrusive that I I don't understand having a problem with it. Like it's such a like because this moment on its own is just really funny. It's like well, <laughs> why be upset at it? Like it's just. It adds a little bit of weight for the for the fight that comes, and that's that's enough to justify it. And then all, all we really had before that was one or two scenes, and the scenes with Kaylee with him do help establish what those characters are a little bit. So there is some benefit of having it there in the movie. Um, but again, mostly it's here because we can give this a quick happy ending. So let's just let's go for it. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I don't like. I don't like just oh like, let's give him a happy ending. Oh yeah, because the rest of the movie is just happy. Like, the, the the rest of this ending is so dark and miserable, and you feel like everyone could die. Honestly, no, I think that's why this sticks out to me is is that it feels off off kilter and off tone to the the, the everything else going on. Like you know, nothing nothing else is like oh these are all happy endings. This one's like oh, we'll we'll give you one sure, and it kind of feels throwaway because of it to me. Well, it's not a happy ending yet. The happy ending comes after. Well, no, but the happy for them that that happy moment of of oh oh they're realizing that that's the happy ending in this context, and it feels throwaway for me in the sense that that that, that kind of doesn't feel like at odds with. I don't think it feels at odds for me. This is just as like any other scene where it, it shifts to the comedy for a second and then okay. comes back. Uh, but anyway, like so, Mal goes down. They're 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 prepped. 
I don't really have a lot of notes for this this part. Because uh, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of action, yeah. There's not a whole lot. There's, um, yeah. So we're on to our, my final page of notes, by the way, which is only a little third of a page, really. So Ooh, nice. not, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. That's because <laughs> there was half an hour action here and you just put one big note saying action. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, so I, I do, the first time I saw this, I genuinely got to a point, and this is something that almost never happens in like these types of movies, you know, your, your blockbusters, your sci-fi and action, where I did genuinely feel like anyone could die, right? Like, they, they he, like this could have kind of like a bittersweet happy ending where everyone dies getting the message out and it would kind of work as an ending. Yeah. Uh, but you know you have this moment where the, the reavers are coming in and zoe goes kind of like batshit and goes out and tries to like sort of single-handedly go like john wick on them and just hold the line yeah and and jane has to kind of pull her back uh, and like they have to retreat into like the, the, the corridor with the blast door but it doesn't shut properly and there's a moment like before they go there where anara gets like darted in the neck and uh you know, Jane gets shot in the like the shoulder or whatever, and you know obviously when uh, Zoe went out, she gets slashed in the back, and they're all kind of injured, and like they realize once they're in the hallway that wait, my medical bag, like I need my medical bag to to treat Kaylee's wound, I, I have to go get it, and he stands up, and the, the blast door's not shut properly, and it's like a f- like there's four doors, right? So there's two going horizontal, two going vertical, and I did that the wrong way around, but you know what I mean, right? So there's like a square in the middle because it's not shut all the way, right? Where both have only came so far, so there's like a square in the middle. And Simon stands up and he gets shot in the stomach. And it's like, that could be a kill shot. That, that, that could easily be could something be. that kills him. And it hits so hard at that moment. And I remember showing this to a friend for the first time. I made I made a friend watch Firefly, of course. And I said, right, we'll, we'll do Serenity together. And she'd never seen it before. And I remember getting to this moment. And the moment that, that Simon got shot, I just heard this really frustrated, like, anger. And not and in a good way where the movie had her. It had her by the balls, mm. right? Where she yelled out, Jesus Christ, is everyone going to die? Like, really angry, like, really upset that all these people were getting hurt and being, you know, killed and whatnot. And, and it's just a great moment because you really feel like, oh, man, is everyone doomed? And obviously this is River's big moment. And I love the, this, the play here where the entire thing, and she says as much kind of out loud, but I love that... River's kind of out of it and kind of like scared and not and because because Jane has a comment before where he's like oh she picked a fine time to go you know scared little girl on us, uh, but like she has a moment here where she kind of snaps out of it and it's it's finally when Simon's at needing taken care of because Simon's whole thing from the start of the show to now in the movie is he needs to take care of River and that's kind of consumed his life and that's where maybe I think this, the the little moment with with Kaylee is maybe kind of important because it really establishes that for anyone who doesn't know that and. He's, she says to him, you have taken care of me. Stop making your noises and faces, right? You don't like it, fine. But I'm saying this is why it works. And she, sta- she stands up and says, look, you've taken care of me. It's my turn. And it's this idea that he's been this brother to her the entire time. And it's time for her to use her enhanced skills to actually take care of him. And she jumps through the hole, throws the med bag back in. and Because they established that they can shut the door from the other side. There's a button. They can just hit the button and it'll shut it. So, But you have to do it from the other side, which is, you know, <laughs> not not advisable not not easy yeah Given those reavers like you know paling into the room um and this obviously well I'll, I'll just do this as one bit because the big money shot here or not the money shot the money shot comes later but the eventually it cut you know as we're cutting between this and the malin operative fight it cuts back to her and it's kind of the the promise of like what they teased in the show and even implied earlier in the movie is that she is this enhanced you know like combat terrifyingly graceful fighter 
Yeah, she's like, she's like a dance to her, but she's like sort of like spinning around and she's got like an axe in her hand and she's just beating the shit out of all these reavers. We, you know, we've been told these reavers, if they get, you know, like we, we see how scared they are. Like it takes like five of them will shoot at one, like, you know, multiple rounds to make sure they kill it because it's that dangerous having one reaver. But she's in a room surrounded by dozens and she's taking them all on like she's Neo in the Matrix, you know, but more graceful, <laughs> more graceful. Yeah. And to be fair, Neo's pretty graceful in that movie. So that is quite a statement. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of Addy CG. There is where she's actually just doing all this, you know, like part of the reason why she was cast is because she can do ballet. And it, yeah, yeah, I'm not disputing yeah. the, the visual of it. I just been it, it Neo's fairly graceful in context of of what the sort of fight we're talking. But about But it's a here. really empowering moment, and that's, that's, that's lines up so well with you know obviously the themes of Buffy. But the idea that she had her like her life taken from her. She had her life taken by the establishment and said, no, you're going to be this for us. You're our tool to be used. And this is her kind of gaining her herself. And it's kind of empowering, like, on, on that thematic level, but also on just a, a physical, like, rush level of seeing her take on the armies of evil villains that should be unstoppable, but she's powerful enough. Like, the idea that her being left unleashed and you know unshackled can do this this is the power of unleashing someone who's this special that you know this is a running theme where the idea of someone special is someone whose people are scared of so they'll try and like you know you know lock them away or they'll say they're crazy or they'll say this or that um so there's a lot of beautiful themes here of just how invigorating it is watching her really come to life and be unleashed and taking on all these all these baddies it's great stuff so Love that. Obviously, Mal sees the trashed, uh, you know, computers and all that, and Mister and Mister Universe left a message on the robot, uh, saying you can't stop the signal at the end of it, which I think is notable that even in death, you know, the signal lives on. Which again, kind of links up with Firefly a little bit, right? That's kind of the point, right? Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do love that when he finally gets to this place, because uh, because Mister Universe said it was hard to get to. He gets to this, and it's like this ridiculous movie drop. It's you know. It's not quite the Cloud City drop at the end of Empire, but it's kind of that same idea where it's just this big giant, but it's also like spinning fans and all sorts. Yeah, he's like, out, haven't you? And he looks down and goes, hard to get to. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but there's some great stuff here uh, from a draft because the operative shows up because he also heard the same message uh, and he sneaks up behind him. Uh, and he's like, you know, you, you know, you believe in this, are you willing to die for this belief? And Mal says, yeah. And there's like a moment. And then he just shoots the weapon out of his hand. He fires at him like a bunch of times. And he's wearing body armor, so it doesn't really hit him. But it, it sort of like, you know, knocks him back a couple of times. And Mal then says, yeah, but it ain't exactly plan A. <laughs> Again. Love it. It's funny, yeah. It's a funny line. Um, so, da 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 da. Um, it's actually even you know, one of the staples of Whedon stuff is the ironic cut and there's even one in this big dramatic final bit where it's after Rivers went through the door there's a really somber bit where uh, Zoe and Jane are talking and Jane's like do you think he did it? do you think he you know got the word out and Zoe's like definitely he got the word out we, you know I have to believe that and it just cuts to Mal's face hitting the grate from being punched <laughs> uh, as the opera was beating the shit out of him um, now there's one thing here that does feel a bit cheap uh, the idea that Mal had this thing removed so the little move to like paralyze him doesn't work uh, it comes out of nowhere it comes out of nowhere this is the sort of thing where I have to believe on the show this would have been set up like way in advance um, yeah I mean is it, is it something he had removed a long time ago or was it something 
Just he just says removed. I can't remember. Uh, I think it was implied during the war or something like that. I, I can't uh, remember the exact line. I mean, you, you, if it was during the war, you you know we would do more war flashback episodes yeah. at some point. Oh, so it's like I I think we would have been ha- having them for at least two or three seasons, probably every so often. Prob- probably one or two a, a season for yeah three or four seasons. I would have thought. Uh, and you you could see this playing in one of those flashbacks for sure. Yeah, and I could see it not being like super obvious, but when he goes to do it, it would maybe click in your head, be like, "Oh wait a minute, I remember that episode now <laughs> where where he had yeah. something removed from there." <laughs> like yeah. uh, where it was like oh, at the time, it was non-essential, nothing really important. It didn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was just injured. He almost died, but they had to remove a thing. No big deal. But that's how they saved him, right? Yeah, fine. Uh, so you know it's one of these things where it's whatever but he obviously he doesn't fall on the sword he actually does a a, a punch to the neck essentially uh and then he doesn't kill the operative he just straps him to the railing so that he has to watch he says i'm going to show you a world without sin uh i'm going to you know grant your wish and he puts in the hall tape and what i love about this is this is the moment for the operative much like mal if you go back to the first episode of firefly the opening flashback where it ends with you know the moment where the, the the brown coats are giving up and he stands up looking at the end of the war and this is the moment where he's lost everything that he's believed in this is that moment for the operative he's watching yeah. this footage and hearing what even though he knew it couldn't have been good but he was so devout in his faith to them that he never thought about it, never questioned it and seeing what it actually is he can no longer be their guy he can't do yeah, it the, the horror of it is that bad it breaks him uh, and of course, he gives the order for them not to kill uh, the crew, because uh, we get the big money shot, of course, where the doors open, River standing there with two blades in her hand, and the wall behind her like gets pulled out. It's just beautiful cinematic stuff. Yeah. Uh, not, not really much to add to it. Um, but there's, there's a couple of uh, great moments here. For one of the lines that Oprah says to him uh, as they're fighting is, "You're fighting a war you've already lost." And Malkina says something like, uh, Oh, I'm known for it or something like that. Um and yeah, that's kinda of been mal the whole time. His attitude throughout the whole show is how much he hates the alliance, but the war's kinda of done. Like, like Yeah, but here we are anyway. Yeah. Um I guess maybe it's like, yeah, you know, like if if it's worth fighting for, it's never truly lost, I guess. Mm. Is, is, is the thing. It plays. It it feels true to everything that we've we've seen before. Yeah. Uh so you know, we we get the uh the cut to the funeral and we see, you know, Mr. Universe and uh book and wash and these little hologram tombstones and uh zoe in a dress like you know and they're all putting their little notes on this little rocket so, well but this is that i don't know if this is based on anything in particular but it, you, you get enough of it to understand this is just a ritual for dealing with death this is their it's funeral just this culture here yeah. and it, it plays off really nice with them all watching and we get a montage of rebuilding serenity uh putting all the bits back on and i was painting the symbol uh there's we see kaylee and uh, Simon uh, kissing and River kind of watching it, like she's confused and intrigued by the touching. Uh, <laughs> still a bit weird, because of course. Uh, but the big th- stuff comes after, right? There's a moment here. Do you know what? There's actually a deleted scene here, and I get why it's been removed, because it's maybe a bit too on the nose, but I kind of wish it was still here, right? It's just, it's just an extension of this moment where the operative shows up at the back of the ship, right? And it's raining, and Mal's just, just grabbing the last of the gear to put on the ship. And the operative, and one of the things here is the final shot of the operative is as he says, there's nothing left to see. Um, when Mal says, if he ever sees him again, he'll, he'll kill him. 
is that the shot of the operative actually matches the exact same shot that we saw of Mal several times in this movie. The the the, the, the cinema is telling us that he's kind of in a place where Mal was. He's actually he's much earlier in the, the process, obviously, but uh, it's it's there, yeah, yeah. But uh, the moment that I wish was still here, actually, kind of, even though I get that it's maybe a little too on the nose, is it doesn't actually end with that that line. Uh, as he walks away, he looks up and he sees the the word Serenity, you know, the logo on the side of the ship. And he looks out in the rain, and, he, and at this point, he's out in the rain, so he's he's, he's getting drenched in rain, and he, he turns to Mal and says, The Battle of Serenity Valley. You lost everything you were in that fight. Like, like how did you survive afterward? How did you live afterwards? And Mal says something to the effect of, If you're still standing there when the thrusters go off, you'll never find out. Now, I get by that last line's a bit too on the nose, right? Because it's like saying, Hey, I went through that too. You have to sort of start from here and just yeah. go... But I do kind of like the idea of him bringing up Serenity Valley and sort of like, because that was a big thing in the show, right? It was like, why did they name his ship after that fight? Like, you know, like, so I, I did kind of like the idea of him bringing it up. It's not a big deal that it's gone and I, I get why it's not there. I, yeah, I've, I've not watched this. I've not, yeah. I, don't, I don't watch delayed scenes on pretty much any movie. Um, I'm kind of glad it was deleted. Sure. Just just from the way you've described no, it, I, I, I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, I that would have felt awkward and i wouldn't have appreciated it, i don't think I, I get it i get it i get why it's gone i i just but there is something i think this is definitely something where it's not really for the movie it's more for someone who likes the show but yeah. the idea of him like bringing up serenity valley at this moment really because the show started with serenity valley it started with that fight and i like the it idea did. if this is the end of the story that we end with like harkening back to that moment well then why that was so important so i think that's mm. why i like it even though it's a bit on the nose but regardless it gets on the ship uh and zoe you know he says to zoe like you know how, how is she talking about the ship but he's really talking about zoe <laughs> like he's really asking yeah. how zoe is uh, and we, we see everyone we see jane's stuff in his face uh like kaylee and simon are like stalking the kitchen together all happy family and he runs into anara and of course this is one of these things where we're never going to get the big payoff to anara and mal there's no time for it in the movie um but i kind of love what he does here where he just like has her admit that she's maybe doesn't want to go back like she wants to stay in the ship because this is really where she feels like she's with her family kind of thing um and just have like just the way that you know she says you know i'm I'm not sure if i want to go back and he just says good answer and she smiles like it's not like running to each other's arms but it is like just like hey they're kind of acknowledging it they're kind of looking at her saying hey we're admitting there's something here we're not going to get into it today but it's 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 not an ending by any means it's it's yeah. more the start of the next chapter but if you've seen the show, this even just this, like her smelling at him this earnestly, is just enough, right? It's just enough yeah. to say, "Hey, here's here's a, here's an olive branch." But the real final scenes in the in the bridge where Mal comes in, he sits down. Which, by the way, the dinosaurs are still there. They put the dinosaurs back. I love it. Oh, they're never leaving, are they? Yeah, I love that little detail. Um, <laughs> I do. I almost wish there was a close up of one the transition to Mal, maybe like, like a pull focus shot. And I get why it's not, but I do, I love the idea that uh, people who have not seen the show get, like, there's a close-up of a dinosaur, like, why is there a close-up of a dinosaur? Why are they focusing on a dinosaur? Not, all, all the movies we've ever reviewed, and you're like, no, 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 do this. It's, it's the integrity of the movie. The integrity of the movie, when it comes to Firefly and, and Serenity here. Because it's like, not just a movie, though. This is the thing. It's also the final episode of a TV show. I know, I know, but uh, but it is more like you know it, that's so on the, on the nose, and I don't think I'd like that even in the final episode. 
Like if this was the TV show, like these these on the nose things that you're like, yeah, just do it, just give you give you what I want. It's like the only time you're there's such like, a, there's a like, fan over it. There's like a two on the nose things I've said that I want. Two of them. No, I know, but it's it's like you you're usually like get rid of them all, all of them, none of them, and at this time you're just like, oh god, god, do 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 a few more. Well, this this one's more for the joke of people who have not seen the show wondering why we're focusing on the dinosaur. Okay, fair enough. That's that's more that's more of a of a, an amusing thing to me, but. I, like, I like it's this weird thing that exists as two things, and the so the movie ends with 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 Simon, uh, sorry, Mal and the and the, the chairs going to pilot the ship out, and Rivers in the other ship because there's you know it's a co-pilot type setup, right? And Rivers in the other chair, and you know he's a little joke here where he's like, oh you know you don't know what you're doing, you have to, and then she she, she lifts off as if it's nothing to her, and he's like, oh clearly you've got an aptitude for uh yeah, yeah that's fine, <laughs> and he's just sort of like supervising, yeah. uh, and they're passing through a storm. Uh, as they're leaving and he turns over and you know he's feeling sentimental at this point he's feeling like he wants to open up to her and he says uh, do you know what the first rule of flying is and he's like well of course you do because you already know what I'm going to say because you're a reader and I do love the simplicity of her just saying yeah but I want to hear you say it hmm. it means more hearing you say it um, and I love this speech you know this is the other moment I always tear up a little bit because I mean, there is the meta element to this of like just talking about the love of the show and like you know not letting it die and and yada yada yada. But you know, the idea of like how important it is for people to have a home of some kind and have something that they believe in, and that his belief in stuff like he was able to keep the belief in a home. It just like he needed the belief to fight for as well, right? So you know, one of the my my favorite line in the whole movie by far, even though I've said a lot of other lines that are funny or or great for other dramatic reasons. My favourite line in the movie is easily um, love keeps her in the air when she ought to fall down. I love that line because I think coming from Mal who isn't typically someone who's overly sentimental, right? He is someone who kind of shields that part of himself away. Except when it comes to the ship, yeah. Except when it comes to the ship. Um, But I I think when it comes to the ship it's kind of like because it's like he's able to use that as a conduit to show when he cares about things even though you know he does care about other things, and even if he's not willing to to admit it, and you know he says love is what makes a home, um, and it's just it's a really great little speech. It feels like a testament to fighting for what you believe in, and yeah, there's the meta element of like okay, like Joss and everyone else, and even the fans fighting for like an ending because they believed in this this story, but in the context of the show and the idea of the the whole thing being about him finding something to believe in so he'd fight for it and that fighting for something is kind of what makes you alive like having something to actually give you purpose is important um and you know the final moments of the film the final lines is her saying you know there's a storm coming and he says we'll pass through soon enough like what better sentiment than to anyone? Like, no, you just, you just have to weather it. You have to get through it. You come out yeah, on the other side. Uh, and of course, the final joke of just the, the bit of the ship falling off and him going, what was that? And cut to credits. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice callback to the, to the start. Yeah, it's a bookend. It's a bookend to the start. And, it, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, there's still the people they were, but they've had this victory, you know? And it, there's even a line from the opera of saying, hey, okay, you've you've won this, but, you know, the alliance aren't gone. So there's, there's openings there if there ever was going to be continuations. Uh, in terms of actual, you know, a TV show or a movie, it's probably never going to happen now, and that's okay. Yeah, every every few months, there's, there's always the rumblings and talks of, oh, maybe this time, it's not going to. It's so funny, like, see, see, 
because see if firefly was a couple of years ago it would happen it would happen because in the netflix age and the amazon age of bringing things back and saving things you know the expanse is the, the great example here because the expanse got cancelled and it, yet it lives it lives because amazon and that okay that one's a bit specific because bezos himself is a fan of the show but like you know yeah brooklyn 99 is another good example though. yeah there you go there, there there would be a fighting chance for it now and but that's the thing it did have a fighting chance because it got the movie you know it may not be as good as having four more seasons or six or seven more seasons but we did get a movie to wrap it all up and it's it is a, better than nothing it's it's, it's it's more than that though i mean that, that implies that it's that it's something to no, be upset no, no, about. I don't mean to disregard the movie. I just meant in terms of, in in the sense that no matter how good a movie is, this is what two ish hours that can never compete with even a full season, of let course. alone six uh, seasons. Of course, but here's the weird thing: is that thematically, it does kind of fit the story that the show was telling. This idea of like finding solace in the one thing, like after you lose everything, like it, it oddly mm-hmm. kind. Like I'm not saying I wouldn't like, would I prefer six more seasons? Of course I would, right? Because it'd be yeah. six more seasons. But there's something so concentrated about everything poured into this because it was kind of that one last hurrah that we got. Um, and one of the things that I always bring up with Firefly is like it, it got such a following it's such a passionate following from the people who loved it after half a season it's, it's such a, a feat of how much it was able to accomplish with the people who connected to it and you know I, I like very few shows that have been cancelled and people want back have like you know like I get why people want certain other shows to come back but they're never like as strong as this like I never feel it as strongly as this you know, Do you think it, that's just because you care about this one and not about the other ones? I mean, partly, but I see people fighting for, like, Dark Matter on sci-fi, and I'm like, okay, I get it, you wanted the ending, but I saw the pilot of that show, I mean... <laughs> like, yeah, but obviously there are people who connected with that the way you've connected with Firefly, and, and you know, a reasonable amount of them. Yeah, yeah people with lesser taste. <laughs> Hence my point, do you think this is just because you like this one? It's it's a bit of a bias that you've got going on this one. Look, there is bias, but I do think there's something that I'm to what I'm saying here. I, I, there... I, I no, there is. I don't think it's I, I don't think it's just bias here. I think there's 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 bias mixed in. There absolutely is, but I don't think it's just that. Okay, I'm not convinced, but I don't think it's just that. Um, I think, I mean, The Expanse would have been a good comparison, you know, in, in that period where it was cancelled, and we were hoping Amazon would pick it up, but we didn't know. And people, yeah. people were sending like models of the ship into space and doing like flybys at Amazon's like headquarters. And... You, know, you know who the who the real comparison to this is, right? What? It's the uh, the release the Snyder Cut folks. <laughs> no, it's not. That is completely <laughs> like, different. Is it though? Yes, it is. It's not even a comparison. I don't know. I don't know. There's a. There's there's something out there that they're, they're, they're convinced that they can have, and they're just we need it, and and they're going all out to try. This and... is the loosest comparison ever. The, the entire basis for this comparison is a group of fans want something. That is it. It's a start. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is people up. That's people upset because they think that their their, their false god was done hard done by by not getting to do the cut that he wanted. <laughs> Yeah, there's several comparisons of like director's cuts that were wanted and stuff that you can compare that to. This is not the same thing. God damn it! Uh, it's a little bit this thing. You just try to push my buttons, and I'm not having it. I, I am a bit. I'm kind of having fun with it. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, so yeah, so no, Firefly is a a, a precious 
spark that uh, and I, I think like i say the concentrated nature of this movie does make it feel really special it is one of the best theater experiences i've ever had uh and uh, as i say it's one of the best movies i've seen the although it does rank quite high on my list but it's more the the the, the thrill of getting this conclusion that i never thought i'd have um and just you know how much of a ride it is especially when you care about these characters it's just it's it's kind of unparalleled for me in terms of theory experiences um very few come close to it and you know so when people say i oh i rate this too highly because i've got it so high in all my rankings when i do my, when i do my top 10s and 50s and whatnot um like the emotion i feel when i'm watching this and the emotion i felt when i first watched it like I think that is something people kind of overlook when we do any of our rankings and lists. It's mm. it's never these are the 50 best of a category. It's favorite. Right? And and I think there is a distinction that there, there is, is a personal level to all of those lists. I do hate that distinction though because I do not think under any circumstance there should ever be a 50 best list. I don't think any list or any person who tries to do an objective a completely objective list what's the point is bullshit. Like how? Like I can't do an objective list. Like no, no, of course you can't. Well, well, that's stupid. No, like every list ever is a balance of those things, and like while I, I do think there's a lot, like objectively, I'll argue, I'll argue a lot for this movie, and I'll argue a lot of objective things for other things, but ultimately, it's how it makes me feel. It's how it works for me. Art is subjective, and to even say that objectivity, like has i mean it's not that i'll never use objectivity in the context of talking about film because there are things you can talk about you can talk about bad sound mixing objectively that's bad sound mixing that's a sentence that makes sense and is applicable sometimes you know you watch birdemic objectively that's bad sound mixing no one's going to argue that you can talk about a lot of the technical elements uh direction editing uh you know if you talk about sound that you can talk about objectively in in those things but even in those things there's a lot of subjectivity as well because there's a lot of creative yes. choices you can make with those things so yeah there's a new here's this is the word there's nuance to all of this there is nuance to talking about any of this stuff and anyone who tries to sort of talk in absolutes when it comes to like criticism of any art really like it's a worth worthless endeavor and the internet loves to do it so it's like a whole mixed oh, bag yeah well screw the internet um so but anyway, like, so, and just one final note here, just one final note I want to make is, I mentioned this on Twitter last week, I think, but I just want to bring it up because I want to just really make this this point clear. In 2005, after this came out, there was a, it was a, I think it was one of the film magazines at the time, there was a, a poll that said, was Serenity really better than Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, which was the same year? I think it's a fair question. It's not a fair question. And Star Wars won, by the way, like two, to th- you know, two, uh, probably two to one in terms of the the pie chart that was going on. And I, I like just stared at it, and because I'd seen Revenge of the Sith, and I was like, but, but, <laughs> but that movie's garbage. Like it's actually straight up garbage, and there's almost nothing to redeem it. It like I, I could give you a list of redeeming Ser- qualities. Serenity is a rollercoaster ride where I am on the edge of my seat the entire time. Revenge of the Sith, I'm just bored and looking at the time to see when it's done. It's not even a comparison to me. And yes, there's subjectivity here, but what bugs me about this is that you know for a fact that a very large percentage of the people who, who responded to this poll, whatever this poll may have been taken, because who knows in 2005... <laughs> <laughs> may have been the internet, may have been somewhere else. 
They probably didn't even see Sereni. This is a bunch of Star Wars nerds just picking Star Wars. It's like we always accuse them at the Oscars where like they'll like one movie, so they'll just tick that in every category. I, I don't even think it's a case of Star Wars nerds in this particular example. I think it's just whoever was... Not not even necessarily Star Wars fans, just they were in you know reading this film magazine, right? So you know they were into that. They're just much more likely to have seen Star Wars, so they went, ah, eh, sure, that one. Yes, that's that's my problem because this is such an absurd comparison to me. Um, this is like comparing Jaws to like I can't even say Sharknado because that's intentionally bad. Like. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 I don't know. Birdemic, there you go. I mean, okay, it's not quite that bad. But, like, to yeah, me... I, like, like, say what you want about any of the prequels, but come on. Right. Oh, I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll just, like, so we're about to rate the movie. Obviously, my rating for this is a 10. It's not even a question in my mind. This is a 10 for me. It's a goddamn 10, and I will hear nothing to the contrary. Right? This is comparing a 10 to me to a 4 out of 10. That poll. That's what that poll is to me. Shall I, shall I rate this movie now? The, can, the, the not Star Wars movie from that year? You can rate Serenity, the vastly superior movie to that year. Of all, of all many films, not just the, other, the Star Wars movie it was that year, but certainly... I, I don't even know what I rated. Uh, did Sith last time I saw it? I couldn't even tell you. I, I, I'm never gonna go and think about it and look at it. I will say this is higher. This is still a better movie. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not arguing that. But, um, it was interesting actually because it's been like a, a good few years since I'd watched this. Since I'd watched any of Firefly, right? And um, I did try and watch it a little bit more objective this time. I, I, I never had quite the same attachment to Firefly. You know, the 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 has. I never watched it as it aired. And I didn't see uh, Serenity in the cinema because yeah, you know, I didn't care at the time because i hadn't seen firefly um so i tried to, to look at it not not objectively because again we could have just thought about how that's that's impossible but i tried to take away just some of that looking at it just because it's the ending of firefly and tried to look at it a bit fairer than that so uh it is actually a little bit lower than i would have given it from memory beforehand um but it's still pretty high i'm still giving it an 8.5 okay Okay. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, I, I I can deduct points for it. Uh, you know, to try to you know make the you know as an ending to Firefly versus a standalone movie, because ultimately, I'm someone who saw Firefly and I don't really care how it works as a standalone movie. Uh, like obviously, yeah, the dream would have been that it would have attracted new audience members and you know we'd have had more. But ultimately. If I'm choosing between the two, I'd rather have the perfect conclusion to the thing I already care about than get something that's not really that in the hopes that we're going to get more and then never get it, if that makes sense. uh, It does, and I just want to clarify, when I said in that that, oh, I wanted to take away that, oh, it's not just the ending to Firefly, and and of course I'm I'm always viewing it as the ending of that, And, and even right now, this is the ending of our Firefly reviews, so of course I'm talking about it in that context. I'm more meant beyond just that, beyond, okay, I'm excited because it's an ending and it's 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 a pretty good ending, right? And you know, beyond just okay, I like this because of what it is. Uh looking at it just a little bit uh, more fairly, I guess, without just the the blind emotion of that. Mhm. Is uh, is why I brought it down. I mean, it was like a 9.5 before and now it's an 8.5. So it's still you know, very good. Well, 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 well. Okay. So well, I corrected it. I I I graded it properly, correctly. And mm-hmm. uh, Connor it has uh, underscored it, but that's okay. Uh, he's underscored many a good film. It's fine. Uh, so 
that's this has been our discussion with that this is uh our discussion of serenity this is a conclusion to our firefly reviews uh so hopefully you have enjoyed them um and or at the very least you've enjoyed me gushing about firefly for the last 14 episodes and this now two and a half hour plus review of serenity that went yeah, through the entire we thing we've got more stuff coming up well, we do. We have a Patreon exclusive uh, Six Feet Under uh, review series that's going to start very soon. Audio only for $1 patrons and up. So that's starting soon. And uh, then we'll finish Firefly. And um, that was voted for by our patrons. So uh, it wasn't just picked at random. There was four choices and that was but one. Uh, but yeah, so let us know what you think of Firefly and Serenity. If you like the content and you want to show us your support, you can do it a couple of different ways. Uh, you can do it for free uh, by rating the podcast and Apple Podcasts, by going to uh, uh, YouTube and liking, subscribing and commenting, all that stuff. Uh, you can, of course, support us financially over at patreon.com slash TV, and you can do that for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses. Uh, as, like we said, Six Feet Under Review is coming soon. But uh, other stuff too. Bonus episodes of the Horror Movie Podcast, Screams After Midnight, bonus episodes of the Atomic Cinema Experiment or Sci-Fi Movie Podcast. These things are all $1 and then voting rates and stuff like that all come at the $5 tier. Uh, so go and have a look-see. See if you're interested. And uh, that's us. So thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, but more importantly, keep going back and re-watching Firefly because it's very important that you do because it's special and deserves to be watched over and over again. So instead of my usual movie outro, I'll do my Firefly outro, which is simply this. Curse your son, but inevitable betrayal.